Whether you're first time, long time, or all the time, call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. to McCartan after midnight here on the fan in New York City and uh, if you're tuned in now well then you missed the first half hour or so of the show sorry <laughs> but we are here on a, on, a, on a night where the New York Yankees have maybe maybe turned the page on what's been an overwhelmingly bad month of August actually, and maybe, just maybe, this game against the Angels, this win over the Angels could do that for them. There's two players on this team that I am expecting to blast off, to lift off. One being Anthony Rizzo, two home runs in two days. Okay, heating up, he's heating up. And then I don't know what, Andrew Benintendi has to do in order to to you know what he you know what you know here's what he's gonna have to do you know how they write the the, the lineups on on whiteboards Andrew Benintendi is gonna have to get in there with the sharpie marker and sharpie himself into the top of that order so that they can't erase it because the guy hits over 300 this season on the uh, you know on the on the season he's over 300 batting average and you can look at all the other numbers but. He hits over 300 when he's in the first top third of the batting order, hitting first, second, or third. Guess what? Tomorrow, he'll be batting sixth. You watch. To the phones, we go at 877-337-6666. This is probably Milford, Connecticut. Tom, am I right? Hey, how you doing? Milford, Connecticut? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, no, no, you, you are definitely 100% right. I mean, anyone that's played baseball, anyone that can see baseball, sees that line of DJ, Benny, Judge, Stanton, Rizzo makes the most sense. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but you're, you're right. Uh, tomorrow, Benny's probably going to be you know, five or six or something like that. And yeah. it just, it, it, this boon drives people nuts because it just makes no sense. Yeah. Stanton comes back two games, rest day. What are we right. doing here? You just rested for a full month. Why the rest of them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand but, it. Any true baseball fan knows that when Judge hits 62, that will be the record. Because, yes. you know, McGuire, so so, Bonds, yes. they were juiced up. And, you know, as far as we know, Judge is not. So that will be the true record. Thank you. Now have a have a great night. Yeah, thanks, Tom, for that. And and, and now now we start getting into this conversation now about Records and asterisks and all that. I can never say that word. Asterisks. <laughs> um, but, like you said, Tom, as far as we know, Aaron Judge is clean. As far as we know. And I'm going to venture to guess that that's a pretty good guess. And the guys above him, the guys around him on that list, all steroid users. So, like you said, the the, the home run record whatever judge ends up hitting, right? Because it's a matter of when and, and if not if, right? It's a when sort of thing. So whatever number he ends up hitting, that's going to be the new record. Even right now, if he if he stopped the count, if you stopped the count right now, 
above him and tied with him are all steroid users. So um, that's going to be a conversation now over the next, you know, couple days and um, in coming weeks. Aaron Judge's chase down of Roger Maris's record, and, and and at this pace, is it is it going to be? Do I, do I say it? Is it going to be a chase down of Bonds's too? I don't know. That would that would be a, a torrential or, or torrent, <laughs> uh, a very fast pace. I don't think that's going to happen because there's only what thirty two games left in the season, and that's like a home run like almost every day. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's possible. But hey, crazier things have happened, right? I mean, we had a caller before suggest that that Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard are going to be on waivers. I mean, I just oh yeah, there's there's always one, right? There's always one. But guys that are poised for a breakout, Rizzo, Benintendi, and look at how different the complexion of that lineup looks when you've got two guys now. And Stanton will get going eventually. I know it too. How how that lineup starts clicking on all cylinders. It's it's just amazing to me how when that lineup goes through a slump, it's not one or two guys. It's the whole entire lineup, which is nuts. And it's a little crazy. It's a little concerning. Uh, because what if it happens in a postseason series? That's it. There is no more tomorrow. So hopefully it doesn't happen, but we'll see. Uh, to Mayo Pack we go. Gary, you're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle, what's up? What's going on, Gary? Hey, the Mets. Um, yeah. I think Billy Epler will be public enemy number one if his bullpen and the DHs he brought in continue to flounder like they are. He, he really did not do a good job at the trade deadline. And, and I'm at the point where I think I would rather have Don Smith and, and J.D. Davis as my D.H. combo than, uh, you know, Vogelback and, and Ruff right now. What do you think? Uh, I, I wouldn't mind it either. Uh, but going back to the first question, is it going to be a uh, uh, public enemy number one? I mean, I think so. And especially if, if DeGrom ends up not being a Met, you know, and that this was this was it. You brought in Scherzer. He did bring in Scherzer, right? So he's not terrible. But at the trade deadline, I categorize that as as a catastrophic disaster. I mean, everybody knew going into the season that this bullpen on this Mets team was going to be an issue. He what did he do to address it? A whole bunch of like nothing. Michael Givens, Michael Givens. That that where's David Robertson? That was the guy that the Mets needed. That was him. And Epler couldn't yeah. get it done. I don't know if if he tried and failed or didn't try at all. That is maybe something that I would have to uncover at the end of end of the year press conference. But for right now, I mean, you're right. This is it's it's infuriating how it was not addressed at the trade deadline. And and in the past what couple days, within the past couple days alone, that the, the bullpen, the middle relievers have given away two games. One yesterday or last night against the Dodgers. Give it away. And what makes it worse is that he got rid of Holloman, who was decent. And when he did, he said, "Oh, there's plenty. There's a plethora of relievers available at you know at the trade." Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, did nothing. I remember when he said that. Nothing. Didn't address it. Michael Gibbons was so far down on my list, I didn't even have him on my list. (laughs) Like. 
Same I, with me. I, I had no idea who he even was. I know. Me too. And I'm supposed to know. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Michael, who? Who? Oh, it was just awful. And this could be, this is obviously the Achilles heel of this Mets team. A Mets team that has their sights set on the World Series and they, they can't get out of the innings 6, 7, and 8 or 7 and 8. They, they're well, in- he's, put, he's putting all his stock into uh, starting pitches right. moving to the pen. You know, like uh, like um, Peterson and like uh, McGill. Uh, I don't know if he has Carrasco going in there. The bad thing about Peterson and, and Carrasco, they usually do not have a good first inning. And if you're going to bring those guys in, uh, you know, that could be trouble. That could be like, you know, putting gasoline on a fire because they have no control. They can't find the plate. Uh, they give up home runs sometimes in the first inning to both of them. I, I don't know what his plan is, but right now I, I'm not feeling real good if we didn't get a little help from the Cardinals and the Rockies tonight. Uh, we would either be tied or a game under in first place. So I'm a little concerned with the lineup right now. Mm-hmm. You know, being a Mets fan, I'm usually negative anyway. <laughs> I know the schedule's getting easier. Yep. But if you remember, you know, 07, it was the Marlins who were not a good team that took us out. You know, we didn't play well down the stretch, and, and those weren't the best opponents either. So, uh, Gary, I think you, you qualified it and quantified it perfectly. Uh, that That is the attitude of the Mets fans. It's like, when is the shoe going to drop? When is – you keep going around the corner, looking around the corner like, oh, oh is this the day? Is this is this it? Um, and and you're, you're, you're preconditioned, you're pre-wired, you're hardwired to, to, to think of that. You know, I, it, it, the bullpen deficiencies, the, the middle reliever, I should say, more specifically, the middle relief deficiencies on this Mets team places an enormous, um, enormous – amount of pressure on a starting pitcher to pitch late into a game or to Edwin Diaz to come in there and, 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 and get it done. More so the starting pitching. Because if you're a starting pitcher, like a DeGrom, like a Scherzer, and you know that ball, you don't want to hand it over to that bullpen. You just, I know I would not. I would not. I, I would want to pitch to all the outs, all of them. I would want to pitch myself if I knew I could do it. And I and I venture to guess that's kind of the mentality that the guy like a Scherzer would have, but I would want to pitch all of the innings because I would not want to hand it over to any one of those guys in that bullpen. Not now. It's like, all right, well, all right, let's look who's in the. Oh, okay, who, who's going to ruin it tonight? Who's going to give away the game tonight? And uh, and tonight, that winner of that contest was Joely Rodriguez. The other night. It was Michael Givens, just giving it away. So, yeah, it's uh, that is. Uh, otherwise, this Mets team is in pretty good shape. So maybe it's a McGill when he comes back. We'll talk about that a little bit. Maybe it's a Carrasco a switch. We'll talk about that. Um, but but right now, jeez, Mets had that game won, won against the Dodgers. And just gave it away. Gave it away. Nanuet, New York. Brian, you're up next. Good morning, Danielle. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good, good, thank you. Let's uh, let's rewind a little bit sure. and go back to Francisco Lindor in the first inning. Okay. I mean, Marte did not know what he was doing. Buck Showalter did not know what he was doing. 
When you have first and third in the first inning against the Dodgers, you have a run home. You cannot make a blunder like that on the base pass. All right, tell it, t- Brian, tell everybody that, that wasn't watching what happened. Go ahead. Give us the play-by-play. First and third, one out, uh, and I, I will rewind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marte with a drag bunt. Mm-hmm. Nemo, Nemo going, scoring yep. on the drag bunt. We, we have uh, he first scored from, and third. Yeah, he scored from first. Point. Yeah. And one out, and Francisco takes off on his own, not even close. He stands up. He gives himself up at second base for the tag out. Not even a slide, not even an aggressive uh, an aggressive play at second base. Right. Just gave himself up. Marte's looking at him, wondering what's going on. The core is looking at him. I'm the third base coach. Buck Showalter, they showed a picture of him, and he just put his head down. <laughs> when, you, when you're in the first inning against the best team in baseball yeah. and you have them on the ropes early, you have to go for the knockout punch, and you have to let the game unfold in front of you yes. instead of taking the bat out of Pete Alonso's hands. Mm-hmm. Who ended up striking out anyway, really, but I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, that was – that that had – I mean, I know it was the first inning, but that had all the makings of being the inning. Like you said, the knockout punch. And Lindor, after that cockamamie play, right, the, the Marte bunt, Andrew Haney should have just let it roll foul, and he didn't. So he picks it up, tries this little shovel pass thing to first base. Brandon Nimmo is hu- Mr. Hustle, hustles all the way around from first to score. Marte ends up on third, and the Mets are set up, ready to ready to get, uh, deliver the knockout punch. Lindor. How do you make that mistake on the base path? You're right, Brian. That's a great call. Great call. Thank you. Thank you. It's just uh, it's unfortunate that for that mental lapse at that moment to take place. And, I, and I'm sure Buck showed, uh, Show Walter spoke to him about it. And I just want to thank you, though, for having that Cleon Jones interview oh. on. It was fantastic. And I really appreciate it. And I have to pick up the book. Oh, thank you, Brian. You're going to love it. I wish I could have talked to him about the entire book. I just picked out, you know, what I thought was interesting to talk about on a radio interview. But uh, definitely, it's it's a book that's, and this is a Cleon Jones, uh, uh, Coming Home, My Amazing Life with the New York Mets. I had Cleon Jones. It's on demand. You want to just type in McCartan Jones on demand, WFAN. That'll come in on Google. But uh, it's a story of, like, a, a man's career as a baseball player. And it's told within the context of the civil rights movement and, and, and stuff. And he's a black player, right? So the, the experiences that he had and, and all of it and, and growing up in Africatown. And it's just it's just it's a historical novel as well. It's it's the it, it, it's just so well done. It, it was really good. It was very well done. You're going to love it. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks, Brian. And let me know. You got to call me back and let me you got to let me know what you thought of it. Because I'm curious. I love that. So if you're if you're new here, I did start up a, a D- Danielle's WFAM book club because I have intelligent callers, intelligent listeners, even if you don't call, intelligent tweeters, all that, engagers. And so I, I started up, a, I had an idea, you know, summer reading list, you know, I'm a teacher during week. So it's like, okay, summer reading list. So I, actually, technically, my first one was, was way back in, I guess, uh, April. It was uh, Connie Carberg, the first female scout in the New York Jets. It was X's and O's, Don't Mean I Love You. That was the first one. But I never interviewed her on, on the radio. I should, actually. But um, then I, I really officially started it up 
I had The Franchise by Mark Feinstein. That was the first one. That was June's. July's actually was Cleon Jones, Coming Home, My Amazing Life with the New York Mets. That was July's, but he it was hard to schedule. So we ended up pre-recording it. And um, August's was just Rick Lachlan's book. I just had him on yesterday, this time yesterday, really. Uh, and it was uh, History of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, History of the Nets from Teaneck to Brooklyn. So I've got a Yankee book out there so far, review. I've got a Met book, and I've got um, a Nets book, basketball. So I am uh, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting to announce my, my – I'm going to continue it uh, through September. And I just – I'm going to wait to announce it just yet. Come In the coming days, you'll see. I'll put – I like to announce it with a photo, so. Okay, Tony in Lodi, New Jersey. You are up next here on The Fan. Tony, go ahead. How you doing? I'm approaching panic mode a little bit with my Mets here. Uh, there's just too many deficiencies in this lineup in the bullpen, obviously. You got Michael Givens up the lead. I mean, he's pathetic. Yep. I know he had a nice night tonight, but... Yeah, that's, and then that's my the other issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my other issue is James McCann. I can't watch this guy catch him anymore for this yep. team. I mean... He's been absolutely horrendous since we signed him. And I, not that Tomas Nito is any better, but at least he could bunt for us and he seems to be a little more effective. I mean, how much has James McCann regressed from what we've seen in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, he's hitting 185 so far this season. Tonight, three strikeouts, three left on base, 0 for 3, three strikeouts. I mean, it's just been bad. It's been brutal. And 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 here's another thing. A caller before you was suggesting that Billy Epper might be public enemy number one because of not addressing the bullpen. I, on this show, myself, I was wondering why they'd never addressed the catcher's position. Wilson Contreras was out there for them, for the taking, and they just said, nah, we're good. We're good with McCann. What? I agree. And listen, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because now I have a question for you. They signed Max Scherzer this past offseason. They had a heck of an offseason. Starling Marte, Mark Hanna. But they gave Scherzer $41 million a year. That, to me, said you're all in. The New York Mets are all in. Yes. Then why was it such a half-you-know-what trade deadline for this team? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. You've got to be know. all in or all out. I mean, it, you know, so Epler is going to be public enemy yeah. number one. Because this, this team has the fire. They have it. Yeah. But he screwed them at the deadline. You know, Tony, you know what, as you were talking, you know what I thought of? I thought of... That that Epler, I guess, I guess he's not a good GM because all those the the the, the off season, the winter time, that was those were money. You just throw money at those guys and sign them, right? When you have to start right. wheeling and dealing mid season and you come up short, I mean that's a that's that's the problem. So so maybe he's not really that good. Maybe we were under this false premise of oh yeah, he brought in Scherzer and Marte and Marcana. Maybe that was maybe that was someone else. Absolutely, and I'm a victim of that too because I gave him a ton of credit. But at the end of the day, I think so you I. and I could have built a great team with Steve's money. You yeah, know? right. But my last thing is uh, my question for you: What are they doing with Degrom? Because I mean, starting tomorrow, it's time to rev him up because the only way this team's going to make a deep run is if you're letting Scherzer and Degrom pitch eight innings every postseason game. Yes. Um. So, what do you mean? You mean? Revving, I don't understand. I what, he's got to get past seventy-five pitches. I mean, oh. when is it time to oh. rev him up a little bit? Okay, here? I see. I thought you meant like long term. What is what is the objective with Degrom? No, no, no. I'm concerned about the postseason, but yeah. they're not like Bucks. Not let him throw more than seventy-five pitches up to this point. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's got to be the build-up now. I mean, you're going to start to see it. I mean, his last outing. I'm trying to find. How, do you know offhand how many his last outing was? 
I think it was capped at 75, and he, he had a heck of a start, but it's, they pull him Pitches. so quick, and I'm just concerned. Yeah. Okay, so he had, uh, all right, so he had, and, and here, I'm going to hang up so you can hear the answer here. So the first, and thanks for the call there, Tony. Um, the first outing he had was 59 pitches. He's had five so far. So 59 pitches is where he started. That was his baseline. He hit 76-76. Then on August 18th at Atlanta, they let him go 95 pitches. And then his most recent start was 87. So I would venture to guess that he's pitching tomorrow, right? So probably 90 pitches is where he'll sit tomorrow. Um, hopefully those are less, not a lot, not like a lot of stress. Uh, 90 pitches, because then it might be less. It just depends on the game situation as well. So uh, the, the, the stretch out, the start, you know, the stretching out and, and the, the gearing up for the postseason uh, I, I think it has happened starting August 18th with 95 pitches, August 25th, 87 pitches. I think the bullseye will be 90 uh, for tomorrow in the safe zone, you know? Okay, so before tonight's game started, I did some calculations because the entire league and everybody, all the fans of baseball know that it's a matter of not of if, but of when Aaron Judge will break Roger Maris's record, right? New York Yankees franchise home run record, the AL record, right? When everyone should expect the record to fall, according to my math, my Danielle McCartan math, coming up next right here on The Fan. Yankees baseball is on The Fan. Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. It is far. It is gone. The home of the New York Yankees is WFAN. It couldn't have come at a better time. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. It is 226 here on the East Coast. And it's uh, 2, 1, 12, 11, 26 on the West Coast. The legendary Susan Waldman joins us live right now from California after calling an entire baseball game. Susan, thanks so much for making some time for us tonight. Oh, oh of course. I remember the overnights very well. Did it for quite a while. So I know exactly <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. And this is good for me because it's a little after. It's 1130. So there we go. So. Let's do it. All right, uh, Susan. So um, with, and this is my, my, my third time on this week in this time slot. We've talked a lot about this West Coast trip. If you could categorize it with an adjective so far, what would you say? Disappointing. Splitting with Oakland. Oh, yeah. Those two games in, in Oakland were just a disaster at the last night. But this is, you know, it's good. You know what? Here, here's the whole thing about all this is that I know that everybody gets every game, every game, every game, and you get so invested. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the kinds of things that, that baseball teams go through. And every time I think about this, you know, what's going through now, I remember the 2000 team who lost 15 of the last 18 and won the World Series. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I, I think everybody thought they were going to go on this West Coast trip and just clean up. And it started that way in Oakland. And, um, you know, and then they got to Anaheim and I thought that was, you know, they're, they're just not hitting. And that's been the problem. 
and today it all it all came back and a different lineup. And um, one of the things that you saw today, and I, I I think that is really important, is what went on with the pitching today and what went on with the bullpen that had to go through this entire game after Jamison Tyone got got uh, hit on the wrist to come back. He was walking around the clubhouse. He's he's saying he's not going to miss any starts. They'll see. But um, it, the swelling had already started to go down, so they um, so they dodged a bullet, and he dodged a bullet, and he's so used to getting getting injured that I think he was really really relieved that nothing was broken because he's had um, you know a, a career full filled with that. Um, but but none of this is a problem of the pitching it's a problem of of the offense and they have not been clicking and either they all hit or nobody hit right and that seems to be a um a problem here and um you know and and guys are are trying too hard and you know today you saw what this team can be i think benintendi um starting it off it it there was a lot of sigh of relief in that uh dugout i asked anthony rizzo about that this is just everybody exhales because it's done and um and then everybody relaxes and you could see it up and down the lineup even the guys who didn't get hits tonight daniel uh had really good at bats really good at bats and hit the ball hard someplace a lot of that is function of the of the the angels pitching staff um but i think this was really really good to see what went on tonight i know aaron boone is the one who actually fills out the lineup card but who are the people that are directly responsible for for constructing it and switching it around on a day to day basis? Oh no, Aaron Boone does it, and he swears he does. I mean, I'm not in there. Mm-hmm. I know that the analytics um, department. He spends a lot of time sitting by himself with that lineup, and a lot of times it comes down in the analytics. Um, say this is what we think, and then they'll go back and forth. and And Boone is is he does this lineup. He you know everybody thinks that um, that. That he disagrees with them and he does what they're what they, what he's told. That isn't true. That is not true. He is in lockstep with them and he loves what they do. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, and if they do, a lot of times they'll defer to him because he does make out the lineup card. And I think it's a misconception to say that he's just getting it handed to him. They do have ideas. They sure do. And they come down and they discuss them, but he makes out his his own lineup. And um, I think for a long time, I think tonight was a terrific uh, lineup. And I think the fact he did a couple of things today. Yes. And one of the things was that he moved Judge down to the down to the third spot. Mm-hmm. Um, that and but the big difference is that Stanton was protecting him, mm-hmm. and that's a big that's a big deal. And even if Stanton is not Stanton quite yet, and he is, you can see it. He, it you know it takes time mm-hmm. when you're out for as long as he as right. he is out. Right. But I just think the fact that he's there, you pitch you pitch differently to judge because Stanton is still Stanton, yeah. and one of these days it's going he's going to explode. And so I think that's very important. And I think they should keep that. Particularly if Anthony Rizzo is, you know, is going to hit 220 but hit home runs. Right. So that's not a lot of protection because Rizzo can be pitched to, and people know that Stanton when he's going can't be pitched to. I, I was just joking before. I said I, rhetorically, I said, so what does Andrew Benintendi have to do to prove 
that he belongs at the top of this lineup. I mean, he hits uh, as a well in in 2022 over 300 when he's in the yeah. top third of the lineup. I mean, I joked before he's got to go in there, take a, the dry erase marker, erase it, and write his name in with a sharpie there to keep himself in there. <laughs> well, that isn't that isn't in his per, his personality. I know he's very it was... quiet. He's very shy, <laughs> um, and he's hitting. And to make it worse, he's hitting over 400 when he's waving off. See? That's, a, that's a little thing for you there. Yep. But first, for they love. DJ LeMahieu at the top of this order. They just do. And when he's going well, that's fine. And Ben Intendi is the kind of, see, I would switch it. I would have Ben Intendi at the top and I would have DJ batting second. Me too. Because when he's going well, yep. he goes to all fields. And to me, he's a perfect uh, number two hitter. But then they want to split up the lefties because now there's not a lot of them. So they like, they, uh, it's, uh, Boone almost puts the lefties in first and then, <laughs> and then works around it. Yeah. But they, they love D.J. LeMahieu at the top of the order. And when D.J. LeMahieu is not injured and he's D.J. LeMahieu, I agree with him. Um, right now, I mean, it worked tonight. I mean, with Ben Intendi batting, batting second, mm-hmm. he's in judging back of him. So they have to – Ben Intendi is a really good hitter, yep. a really good hitter. And the reason – whatever reason it took him to, to be have a slow start, I think has to do with just being comfortable. Just being comfortable because all of a sudden there's that swing that I saw when he was with with the Red Sox and the one that would hit hit homers into the short porch Mm -hmm. and then, you know, hit them off the wall. He's a really good hitter. So either one or two is really good for him. I like him at the top, but um, they really love LeMahieu up there. The legendary Susan Waldman joins us live right now on The Fan from California. Um, Another you always have nuggets, and I remember one time you told me about Gio Urshela, and it like I changed my whole perspective on him. So I'm going to ask you, hitting 167 over his last nine, what is Glaber Torres going through? Um, I don't know if this is a nugget, but um, as a matter of fact, I've had long talks with with the hitting coach Dylan Lawson about him, and um, what I'll tell you what I see. I'm not quite sure what it is, um, but if you look at him when he is going well. His top half and his bottom half are one piece, and they're not now. They're just not, and he has moments of it. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether you know the. He says no, but I have no idea whether um, getting hearing that he was going to go to Miami for Lopez. I have no idea what mm. what is going on with with Glaber Torres. But that is not. Um, you, know, you keep working and you keep you keep working and sometimes he has it and sometimes he has it. We're always looking for, or at least I am. I'm always looking for emotional reasons why yes. people can't perform. Yep. And I don't know whether that has anything to do with it. He gets very down on himself. Very. He's a he very he, emotional human being. Yes, he a player. Yes, he, he, he wears his emotions right on his sleeve all the time. He, he really does, and he wants to do. There's another one, and he he lockers next to Isaiah Kainafalefa, who's the same person. Yeah. Except Isaiah is actually you have to look beyond the numbers with Isaiah because because they love the way he plays, and he actually um, energizes. <clears throat> excuse me, that whole that whole infield. And one of the things that Isaiah does, and he doesn't hit home runs, and I understand, but he has really good at bats, mm-hmm. and they have to pitch to him, and it takes a lot of energy to pitch to him because he has always long at bat, but he gets both of them. They get so down on themselves that sometimes uh, Glaber and I, I I see getting into to funks that he's just so he'll say he's fine and smiles, but he wants to do well so badly. Mm -hmm. And when he doesn't, he tries to do more and that makes it worse. So 
we're talking with Susan Waldman, obviously, you know her voice, <laughs> but um, what's it like being there? I'm, I'm there every once in a while, but being there every single day watching Aaron Judge on this historic home run pace. This is kind of amazing, and I, I had Anthony Rizzo on the uh, on, on post game mm-hmm. tonight because um, television always gets the first choice. So it was Aaron, and and I I, I talked to, to Rizzo, and we were all walking. Judge too, we were all walking back, and um, Judge, this is something that you know you don't really see a lot because this is not just a slugger. This is a hitter, and I watch him handle things. And I, I've said many times, except for Jeter, I don't think I've ever seen anybody handle noise as well as Aaron Judge does. Mm-hmm. He shuts everything out. He knows exactly when to say no um, to you know to interviews, to this, to that. I said on in the broadcast today, Daniel, it was really funny. I don't know where they came from. But when when he hit that fiftieth yesterday, yeah. we started to go to the clubhouse, and cameras were everywhere. <laughs> I don't know where they came from, but they were in there. And I said to Anthony Rizzo, I was standing with him, and I said, "And here it goes. Yeah, this is going to be like this every single day because we went through this with Jeter mm-hmm. when he was breaking Garrett's record. It was the same kind of thing that they're there, and they're just just they want to they want to capture all of it, but he has proven this is this is a hitter, and he's almost a cerebral hitter, mm-hmm. and sometimes he you know sometimes he guesses wrong and sometimes but you saw one uh who did he hit the home oh off of j p Sears when he hit the homer off of j p Sears um he had realized that Sears had already shown him the slider. So he said, he's, he's already thrown me that, so he's going to throw me the changeup. So he was ready for the changeup, and he hit it. He is not just, he see the ball, hit the ball, but that's after he has already analyzed what is coming, what is coming from the pitcher's hand. It's really quite remarkable. It's really quite remarkable to watch him. You know, in all the post games that I've seen and everything, it's kind of business as usual. And I watched the Derek Cheater documentary, too. And you were fabulous, by the way, in that, by the way. <laughs> Have you seen it yet? Yes, I have. Good. Yes, okay. I have. Good. Yes, I have. Um, but do, do you wish, and because and, and, Jeter said it, he said, I wish I enjoyed it a little more. Do you think Aaron Judge wishes or, or, or should be enjoying this just a, a little bit more? I, I think he's enjoying it plenty. Okay. But he also, he's enjoying it because don't forget, um, he's still got something to prove. And that's, and I think a lot of this is, is, is part of this. I mean, you never, I would never bet against a guy with a lot of heart and a lot of talent who's got something to prove. And I think that this is, you know, and he's very, he's, you know, his parents are here around a lot and his wife is here a lot and the dog. And I think they're having a wonderful time. And, and he, I think he's enjoying every single minute of it. Derek, I think the difference in what he was talking, what Derek was talking about, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when the team lost in Miami, for um, 2003 mm-hmm. to the Marlins in six. Yep. And I, we were interviewing Jeter and I was standing next to him and he said, uh, somebody asked him, um, what about, what, how would you categorize this, this, um, this season? He said, it's a failure. Mm-hmm. And I said, so going to game six of the World Series and losing is a failure? And he said, yes. And I've only, and so I think that's what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And the only other person I ever heard say something like that was Larry Bird, who used to think that if they didn't win it all, the whole season was for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he was talking about. Derek had fun. I mean, he, but he didn't enjoy the accolades as much, I think, as he thinks he should have. I don't think he enjoyed the stuff that came with it because he was so busy. 
and so focused right. on winning. That's right. all he cared about. I mean, Judge does, but he's got a light, and you can see it. And um, I think they're just, they're very different people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's pretty much a matter of when and not if, I think, for Judge breaking this record. Where would that call, when it eventually happens, you know, rank in your career list of, of famous calls? Oh, gosh. Famous I events. mean, and that's, well, that's, there's, there's a lot of them, though. I mean, there's, you know, there are things that, that are not necessarily that are most, you know, that not necessarily record breaking things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the, when we were broadcasting on TV on, um, the, the Jim Abbott or in 92, or I think it was 92, Jim Abbott's no hitter. I mean, the guy, you know, man has one hand yeah. and I mean, those kinds of things stick with me. Derek's 3000 hit was really, really incredible to mm-hmm. me. Um, this is, this is a record that's amazing. I hope he flies by a lot of them. I would like him to, you know, to go by the, it probably won't happen, but my, my dream is he goes by the steroid guys. Yeah. That's where we were that, just talking about that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That would be, that would be my dream. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful because you watch him. I've watched him, um, when people were pitching him when there were holes in his swing mm-hmm. and he's, a, you know, he goes through slumps. Of course he does. Everybody does. But he's more a complete player now, and it's kind of the whole thing is, um, you know, it's, it's very exciting, and I think he's got the right demeanor to do it. You know, there were uh, when Roger Maris went through this record, his hair was falling out; he couldn't take the stress. Mm. I mean, just thinking there weren't the kinds of press and and um, that that are around now, right. and there were it was much less of it. So this is going to be this is going to be fun. I have no doubt either. I mean, I, ha- I have no doubt. He's just he's just too good, and he just he just he hits pitches where when he shouldn't. That's you know he. I watched him today at one. Um, he pulled his his whole body in. It was the one he pulled. Mm-hmm. He pulled his hands in, and it wasn't his hands in it. His arms went in mm-hmm. so that it still hit the sweet spot of the bat. That's quite remarkable to do. The legendary Susan Waldman joins no. us live. Stop saying no. that, Danielle. I'm no. like I'm dead. Legendary. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, come on. Paying homage to a fantastic career, Susan, here. Um, But in the MVP argument, this is a perfect series, Angels, Yankees, to have this argument. Is it fair to pull that, well, Otani's a pitcher two card against Judge? No, see, I don't, I don't, no, it's not. And I don't, I, MVP means to me most valuable player. Which means I, I would never, and I don't have a vote, but I would never vote for someone on a losing team because yeah. how valuable could they be? Right. I mean, what, what is the, if, if Otani plays for the Oakland A's, um, what's, how much further down are the Angels going to go? Mm-hmm. And it's not, what he's doing is extraordinary, but it's not the most valuable player. You want to say the best player or, or the most, um, <laughs> the most different player. Yeah. I mean, the best. I, I don't. You want to have two different awards, but valuable, valuable to whom? Is he valuable? Of course, he's valuable to the team. He sells tickets and he takes the place of two guys. But what does it mean to the team? Usually, it's to me. That's why I always argued against someone like Mike, Mike Trout. He might be the best player in the game, but what's his value to that team? You take him off that team. How much further back bad can they be? Yeah. How much worse can they be? They take you take Aaron Judge off this team. This team doesn't win. Mm-hmm. That to me is most valuable. You want to make two awards? That's great. 
but most valuable to me, it's not an argument. And, you know, no one convinced me, it, can convince me of it. I started this argument when Andre Dawson got it in the last place Cubs. And that to me is, I mean, he had a wonderful year and everybody loves him and everything, but they were in last place. Yeah. So how valuable can you actually be? Susan, my final question of the night. Uh, my callers all week, I've been here all week and, and four weeks, they have been arguing about this. We have been arguing about this. Is this Yankee team constructed the way it is to win it all? Oh, boy. Yeah. Do they have to play the Houston Astros? <laughs> I think they do, yes. Yeah, I, I would be very – that's the one team. You know, once you get into the, the playoffs, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Yep. But I don't like their chances right now yep. uh, against the Houston Astros. Yeah. And I don't know if – I mean, unless Verlander isn't going to pitch. But they're, they're, they're awfully good. They're a much more complete team. Their bullpen is better when they're healthy. Mm-hmm. I know Presley got hurt, but, but um, they're, they're, a, they're a really good team. And I would be worried about them. I wouldn't worry about anybody else in the Eastern Division. And then, you know, you worry about all kinds of things happen in the World Series. But uh, right now, and I think they know that, and I think that's why they're not too um, – they're expecting Frankie Montas to, to round into shape. He's not. Yep. Um, this is a guy who is, is clearly – um, you know, coming off an injury and trying to rebuild. And don't let anybody tell you that just because he's throwing 97, he's fine. Mm-hmm. That isn't what goes. Right. It's the control and the command and the break on the pitches. And those are field pitches, and those are not there. And when he starts giving up home runs, you don't, you know, that Yankees don't need to, that isn't what they got. But I think what they're doing is looking forward to him being built up by the end of September so they can go into October um, with him and Severino and, and Garrett Cole, which makes it a little bit different than, than what you're seeing right now. Oof. Oh, I don't like my, ch- <laughs> I don't like my chances with that well, top three. D- don't, <laughs> Danielle, I, I want you to enjoy the, this is a, a ride. It's, just think it's like a soap opera. And when we get to, when we get to um, you know, October, it's like sweets, and it starts then. Don't live and die with with every game and think about October. Think yeah. about tomorrow. Think about tomorrow with Garrett Cole and Patrick Sandoval. How's that? There you go. All right. Well, Susan, thanks so much uh, for making the time for me tonight. Go get some rest. I'll see you soon. <laughs> okay, Danielle. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. There you go. The Susan Waldman. That was that was the surprise guess. I wasn't sure if we were going to pull it off, but I got the text, and it was like, hey, you ready now? Yeah, we're ready now. So... Hey, couple nuggets out of there. Um, listen, Glaber Torres not going well. You know, she said he, he top half, bottom half is not working together in in his swing. Uh, also, reference the fact that he's an emotional player. Maybe he was taking really to heart that he was going to be um, possibly traded in some sort of package deal that could be affecting him. I mean, he started off slow this to start the season off, and he was involved in trade talks as well in the, in the off season. So maybe could be. Um, again, Susan agreed with me. It's a matter of when and not if Aaron Judge breaks the Maris record. And uh, is this team the, constructed to win it all? She said, do they have to go through the Houston Astros? Yep, that's exactly what I think, too. I mean, the Astros are a better team. The legends of Yankees baseball. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to 
Jason McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. Just had on Susan Waldman, the Susan Waldman, the legendary Susan Waldman, live from the hotel room in California, in L.A., California, wherever they are staying. Um, I don't think it's Anaheim. I think it's L.A. Uh, so uh, thanks to Susan. That was awesome. If you missed it, we'll have it up. We'll have it up soon. Sus will have it up soon on the on-demand section. Don't worry. Of course, I'll tweet that out, too. Um, so before and, and before tonight's game started, or I guess last night's game at this point, but before the most recent Yankee game started, I, I did some calculations because it's it, like we were just talking about. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of just when Aaron Judge is going to break Roger Maris's record. And it's a for, I think the entire league knows that it's a foregone conclusion. I think the entire league knows that every time Aaron Judge steps into the batter's box, they've got a chance to witness history. So you, as a New Yorker, uh, and potentially a Yankee fan, or just a fan of baseball even, you'd want to be in the building when he does it, right? So I did some math. <laughs> and, I, and it was before he hit the home run in the most recent game. But based on his pace, because they were nice round numbers before before the game, but based on this pace, I, I, I attempted to figure out when it will be that he breaks the record, okay? Hear me out. It took him 125 games. These are nice round numbers. These are, these are not rounded. 125 games to hit 50 home runs. That's one home run every two and a half games. Okay, it's like a word problem. He needs eleven at the, at the time in my math in my in my little calculations here. He needed eleven to tie the record. So eleven times two point five is twenty seven and a half games. Okay, so if you're taking the under, you want to start buying tickets for Friday, September thirtieth. If you're taking the over, start loading up Saturday, October first. Both are home games. Both are against the Baltimore Orioles. And since he hit another one. I'm taking the over on that. I'm going Saturday, October 1st is going to be the day. Mark it down. Of course, at this current pace. Um, But that's a good sample size. 125 games, that's a good sample size. So to tie it, I'm going October 1st, home versus the Baltimore Orioles. Now, in my formula, when I did run the numbers, he needed 12 to break Roger Maris' record. So 12 times one home run every two and a half games. That means that means it's 30 games to break it. So according to my calculations, that's October 3rd at the Texas Rangers. Away. He can't do it in Texas, right? He can't, right? Oh, that would be horrible. But to tie it, if you want to be there, I'm thinking October 1st. And if you want to start booking a trip to Texas... October 3rd, I think, is the day he breaks it. So that's my word of advice to you. I looked at tickets for those uh, Orioles games. The cheapest tickets are $26. You can, you can make a pretty good profit if uh, – and here's the secret. I didn't, I didn't buy any tickets. I should have done it before I told you the secret. But uh, my advice, load up on tickets for that Orioles series, the last home series of the year. That's my advice. All right, to the phones we go, 877-337-6666 to Middletown. To Jack, you're up on the fan. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Ah, thanks for making it. Um, <clears throat> and what Susan said, I think, was right on the money about Aaron Judge and the uh, AL MVP race. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know how anybody could say that Otani is the MVP, or really anybody from that Angels team. Well, Trout and Otani are the only two guys. I mean, I I heard a quote some at some some point. You know, when you need them, when it's not obvious, and there you go. There's your hack for Monopoly. And the Mets are playing with Monopoly money in Queens. And the Yankees are not. So will Aaron Judge be a Yankee moving forward? Your teams, your station. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on the fan in New York City. It is 3 a.m. And we're just getting started. We are just getting started. Talk has been about, really, the Yankees. And, of course, we're coming off a Yankee victory in uh, in California against the Angels. Aaron Judge hits his 51st home run. What is the value? What is the number? What is the number of years on Aaron Judge? Um, whether that be with the Yankees or elsewhere moving forward. I mean, it is, that is one of the greatest stories of triumph. You know, of betting on yourself that I've ever witnessed, I've ever seen. And it's just um, it's just one of those things, man. It's a matter of when he's going to break the record, not if. And based on my calculations, you want to start loading up for tickets on October 1st. Based on my calculations. Um, it's a bunch of nuggets that, that I just had on Susan Waldman. You know, um, I asked, uh, is this Yankee team built to, to win the World Series? And she asked, does it have to go through Houston? Or I'm paraphrasing, but does it have to go through Houston? You would think yes. The Mets are going to have to go through the Dodgers. The Yankees are going to have to go through the Astros. That's it. And I don't love the matchup. To the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Chris in the Bronx. You're up on the fan, Chris. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Great to talk to you. Uh, you, You too, Chris. Thanks for calling. Hey, I'm not, I guess I'm not as concerned about the Astros as everyone is. You know, I'm just looking at it as this whole season. I mean, the Yankees were playing fantastic. First time they played that four-game set against Houston, they did really well. I mean, they split. And when you think about it, I know that, season, that series was a while ago, but, you know, Houston came in pitching really well. They got timely hitting. The Yankee bats were a little cold, and still, it was a split. And now, you look over the last month, and yeah, the Yankees haven't looked great, but they've lost with Mayhew, Stanton, and Carpenter. No lineup can sustain three losses like that and still play at a high level. And they lose their closer. So, you know, I think they went through a rough time, but closer, I really think they'll be okay. Chapman? Closers and Chapman? No, no, the closer and Holmes. Oh, Holmes, yeah, okay. Hitters. I was going to say yeah. Ch- Chapman. Okay, go ahead. No, yeah, Chapman. Yeah. No, okay. no, not Chapman. <laughs> so losing those three hitters and losing Holmes for a while, I mean, it, it's going to affect any team. But I think it's going to come down to, as it always does in the postseason, who gets hot at the right time. And I think if the Yankee bats are going well, I think they match up against Houston. I well, really do. Yeah, well, Chris, here's the thing. Throughout the, what is it, seven games that the Yankees have played against the Astros so far this season, mm-hmm. the Yankees' cumulative batting average, talking about getting hot, how about 151? That's how they hit uh, exactly. against the Astros. I know. I know. That's... So they, they haven't played them well. But, again, that first series, I think they were playing well during that, and they split that series. And from there, 
they didn't obviously do too well, you know, after that against Houston. But I think it's going to come down to who's hottest at that time. And I really, I have some faith in this team. I think Benintendi was a huge pickup. Yes. And I think if Stanton gets right and Judge continues to be Judge, I think they can do well. I don't know, man. I, I, the Houston Astros worried me, have worried me all season. I mean, they don't match up against, they have the Yankees number at every which way. Justin Verlander has turned back the clock 15 years. I mean, he looks awesome. So you, you're pitching. I, I know. What do, you, what do you do? All right. So what do you do? You have Verlander, Cole. Okay. Verlander, right. do, do you just, maybe you put Cortez first? You, you do a, game one, you do Cortez, Verlander, and see what happens. Roll the dice and then move Cole no, to two. I, I go Cole. I go Cole. I go with our best pitcher against him. And I think Cortez will be good. And we hope Montas turns into Montas. Yeah. So, you know, the, Not the guy happen. they expected to get. Yeah. And the, and, but isn't that the way it's supposed to be? If we're going to win the World Series, shouldn't we have to go through Houston? That's how it's supposed to be. Just sure. like if yeah. the Mets want to get there, they yeah. got to go through the Dodgers. That's right. That's how it should be. Yeah. I just don't, I, I know you're very optimistic, Chris, and I don't know if I'm being pessimistic. I just, <laughs> I just don't love the matchup. I just don't. But like you said, a lot of things have changed. I mean, those games we're looking at were June. 23rd was the first series, and then the second series against the Astros was July 21st. So a month yeah, ago yeah. and two months ago. A lot has changed. I can't wait to, can't wait to see how it looks in late October. I, I know. Me I too. Hope we get that. I hope we get that. Me we too, don't Chris. get the matchups we want, so yeah. I'm ready for it. Me too. Let's, let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it, Chris. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, but I'm not overly optimistic. I mean, you can't hit... 151. And that's not just in one game or two games. That's so far this season, this Yankee team has hit 151 against the Houston Astros, and including being no hit at home in a cumulative uh, combined no hitter. It's embarrassing, man. That's embarrassing. Oh, close to New Jersey. That's my neck of the woods. Oscar, what's up? You're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. Good morning. Morning. Um, I feel like this season is going to go down as a the big what if season. I feel like Judge is going to we're going to waste a historic season from Judge. Mm. Well, and in on. October we're going to. So what do you define waste? Like Derek Jeter oh. get to Game Six of the World Series and it's a failure waste or what? Um, I I feel like because of the moves we didn't make, the 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 front offices uh um uh, uh, like like. Their want to have, uh, uh, I don't know, they, I, to me, they should have traded Volpe and whoever they had to trade to get either Castillo or the kid in the, up in uh, Soto because I feel like those kids don't fit the Aaron Judge timeline. Mm. So, you know? well, so Volpe, yeah, well, neither of them do because they're not here. And the Aaron Judge, time, he could be gone next year, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if, if assuming we keep him, I feel like even then they don't fit the timeline of this team, this Current as currently constructed. Now, see, I disagree with that. Be- you know why? Because uh, the one is due. I forget the one. But Volpe is due next season. Twenty twenty three is his his um, projected date from MLB Pipeline. Like like MLB says this on his like scouting report. So no, I don't. I don't agree with that. He is within the timeline. The problem is, and I and what what they got for Castillo, what the Reds got for Castillo from the man- the, the Mariners, the Yankees would have had to have given up. Volpe and Peraza and Ken Waldachuk, who was their fifth. So one, three, five, and just another guy in there. To me, you're, that is when you're sacrificing the future. 
you're giving up your two shortstops of the future. I wouldn't have done it. That I w- wouldn't have done. But, uh, okay, so I have a question for you. Yeah. And, and this is me. Just in the Yankees, I think since the dynasty years, the Yankees haven't produced. I, I, I could give you, I could rattle off at least eight guys that were supposed to be the Knicks, the next oh, yeah. guy for the Frazier the and Duhar. I know, yeah. There's, they never panned out. No, Frazier came from the Cubs, I think. Wasn't he from the um, from the trade with Chapman? Oh, yeah. But I'm yes, talking yes, about yes. homegrown, Edith you mean? Montero, yeah, yeah. Greg Bird. Yeah. Remember the, the 3B, the killer B? Yeah. You know, and these guys haven't panned out. I think Judge is the last guy that the Yankees, from the Yankees farm system, has actually panned out. So this hope, you know, these guys, they, they all look good at some time, at mm-hmm. some point in the minor leagues, and they were top 10 in, 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 in the rankings, but they just never panned out. So I don't, I don't hold out hope mm. the way some of these fans have, like, their, all their hopes in the future. Their Volpe is the future for, you know, of this team. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing that I, I would say that, that the Yankees very much believe in him because they weren't going big game hunting for shortstops, at, you know, in, in the free agents market and, and whatever. So t- they have a lot of they have, the Yankees, whether it's, you know, um, warranted or not, the Yankees have a great deal of confidence in Anthony Volpe. They do. They had it in, in Gary Sanchez, and we know where that ended up. Yeah, well, I think the Gary Sanchez thing was um, they just didn't want to admit that that that, that it was it was bad. They tried fixing them. They tried changing them, and then eventually they just had a cut bait. Yeah, let's let's hope. Let's hope. Well, I know, I know. That's it. It's on, it's on hope, Oscar. You, you, we're hoping. We're hoping. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Yeah, we're just we're living on a prayer here. Living on a prayer. Uh, uh let's go back to the Bronx. Uh, James, you're up next on the fan. Good morning, Daniel. How you doing today? I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I can't wait to see Judge break this record. And I really believe your timeline, the way you had it figured out, mm-hmm. mapped out, looks pretty good. I have tickets for the 30th. Oh! <laughs> and I'm right now, I'm thinking about getting tickets for a Saturday and Sunday, too. I don't... Is there a Sunday game? Uh, oh, yeah, it is. Sunday, October 2nd. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping he can do it Friday night. Maybe he can be a little bit ahead of your schedule. Maybe. I mean, and do I mean, it yeah. Friday night. Yeah. Because you have the tickets for it. That's an ESPN game, too. It might be that night. Yeah. And as far as him staying, I would love for Judge to stay. He's homegrown. Mm-hmm. He's he's the next thing to Jeter. Yeah. Okay. okay. But I don't know. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm uneasy about it. I would really love for him to stay a Yankee for his entire career, but I don't think they're going to go the length of years that it's going to take to keep him. I think that they'll was, probably give him yeah. the, they'll probably give him the money, mm-hmm. but I don't think they'll go the length of years. I think the most the Yankees will go is six years of a judge, and to go six years, you got to give him forty forty five million to match what anybody else will give him for eight or ten years. Mm-hmm. And you know what, though? If I'm Aaron Judge, I'm going to say six years, thanks but no thanks. Exactly. Yeah. Because he'll only be 37, and he'll still probably have another couple of years of pro- productivity left. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, he I'm, turned down – He turned. It was seven. the one he turned down was seven years and at an AAV of $30.5 million. So you think he would turn down – 
uh, six years at 40, 45. Yeah, because for me, and, and I've always had this stance, I always thought it was about the years for him and really not about the money for him. So the years, I think, are important. The longevity for him are, is important, I think. Okay. Because but just now, to do it, to do it all again owner, in five years from now or six years from now, it's not going to be as fruitful as it would be now. And Yeah. Yeah, that's true. From a player's, from a player perspective, from from the team perspective, you know, it's 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 the opposite, you know. Right. But uh, see, I think Cone uh, gives him with the Mets. I think Cone gives him as many years as he wants. I know. <laughs> for as much as he wants, I know. And that's what makes it uneasy. Yep. The C judge in a Met uniform. Ooh, I cringe. Yeah, you know, he wouldn't even have to move where he lives. He wouldn't even have to move. It, at all. Uh, yeah. you know, he'd still be a New Yorker. And the crazy thing is, there's a lot of Yankee fans that I honestly believe would switch. Would follow the Mets. Oh. I, judges love that much. Where he is, yes. They'll, they'll be that upset with the Yankees for not signing him. If he was to sign with the Mets, mm. I think they would follow the Mets. I don't know if they'll love the Mets. I don't know if they'll root, root for the Mets like they do the Yankees, yeah. but they will definitely follow the Mets because Judge is over there. Oh, I honestly believe that. You know, I mean, listen, I, I, you know, jeez, oh, God. Well, that and, and, you know, if you're Steve Cohen, right, that's the splash right. that you want to make on this freaking town. That's the imprint. That's the stamp. That's your mark that you want to put on this town and say, you know what? You disrespected right. him. He was dis- the quote was he was disappointed that you made the offer public, and you know he's a little disgruntled with you. I'm going to come in. I'm going to take your your most beloved player, and not just the Bronx, but in Major League Baseball. I'm going to put him on my team, and I'm going to write him a blank check, give him as many years as he wants. That's my stamp on this town. It's a Mets town now. I mean, what a that, move! What a move! That would be that would be a George Steinbrenner s type move. Yep. When he got Catfish and when he got Reggie. Yep. Same type of scenario. Ooh, baby. Well, well, this is going to get interesting. This is going to get vicious, I think. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it makes my job a little easier. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for taking my call. You have a wonderful day. Yeah, James, thanks. And and you too. You as well. Yeah, that would be the best day ever for a Met fan. And that would be the worst day ever for a Yankee fan. If Aaron Judge ends up signing with the Mets, and, and it, we're not playing like fantasy GM here, we're not playing fantasy baseball because I hate doing that. I, I like to talk in realistic terms. I'm a realistic, I'm a pragmatic person. Um, it, that that's not far off. Like that could that could happen. Like Derek Jeter was disappointed. And, you know, sort of, dis- I'm using the word disgruntled and I'm using the word disappointed. But when his offer was made public by, you know, the front office of the Yankees, whether that was Cashman, whether that was Randy Levine, and when they told him to go test free agency and then and then they, they let the numbers leak out, it's the same thing. You know, that caller just compared, you know, Aaron Judge or the caller before Aaron Judge to, to Derek Jeter, the homegrown talent, all that, right? So it's, it's, it's going on the same path. Uh, Jeter ended up, Resigning, he was on the back nine of his career. You know the whole story. Aaron Judge coming off a historic season where he will break Roger Maris's record. He will do it. He will etch his name in in the history books. And and Susan and I 
both wish that he would overtake all of the, the steroid cheaters in front of him. The Sosa, the, the McGuire, the Bonds, and just be atop of all of them. However, he's running out of time to do that. It's, it's, it's not possible, right? We, off, we, we operate in the, in the realm of, of realistic here. But, I mean, what a mark that would leave on this town. This radio station would, would probably explode. <laughs> I mean, if Aaron Judge, if, if Steve Cohen steals Aaron Judge away from the Yankees and and conversely on the Yankees side, I mean, you dug yourself the grave. I mean, you have to. You just have to at this point give him what he's asking for in terms of AAV, which is annual value, you know, the dollar sign amount per year and the number of years he wants. And for me, I always contested that that it was about the number of years. I think for Aaron Judge, and it's about the money too. I'm sure it's about the money too, right? You don't want to get, you know, lowballed. But I, I don't think he, at his age, I, I don't think he wants to go through it again. I know I would not. I would want to get my deal. I want to lock it up. And that's how I would handle it. But, I mean, that's just me. I, I'm not a, a professional athlete. Um I just it's just this is going to get interesting, you know. And 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 the right thing for the Yankees to do is is to not let him talk to any other team, you know. Give him an offer he can't refuse, you know. Take him to Arthur Ev and give him an offer he can't refuse, and don't let him leave until he signs it. But I'm telling you, there's that insidious thought in Yankee universe of. What if the Steinbrenners don't do that? What if Steve Cohen swoops in and does it? Because maybe Cashman dug his own grave too by by putting out that information. Other owners are salivating at that. Hey, I can do that. I can offer him that. Watch, watch. I can offer him that. He'll be a Met next year. He'll be a whatever team next year. And, you know, we talk a lot about how the Yankees may or may not be built to win a World Series. I happen to think they are not um, at this con- this moment in time. I don't have faith in their pitching, and I don't have faith that their that their bats can sustain. You know, they go cold, and a given and Susan said it too. They, they just go cold, and it's not just one guy; it's the whole team. But we talked a lot about that. It's it's the starting pitching depth. It's the fear that their bats are going to go inexplicably cold at any time. But what we don't often talk about is the Mets. Are they built to win it all? Yes. I do think that the New York Mets are constructed to win the World Series. And they're definitely managed to win the World Series. The Bronx Bombers. It is hot. It is hot. It is gone. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Yankees win. The Yankees win. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel McCartan. You're listening to McCartan in the morning. Is it time? Can we switch it over from McCartan after midnight? We're in that that, that weird little time zone here. 
but I appreciate you, uh, you know, between, you know, uh, midnight and, and morning. So I appreciate you tuning in, whatever you're, whatever you're doing right now. I, I'm always interested to know what you're doing. Are you working? Are you just listening? Or are you can't sleep? And I don't know, whatever it is. I, I, I just, I, thank you. I just want to say thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of it, whether you're on the phones or on Twitter. Facebook, I say this all the time, but Facebook makes it hard to, to uh, you know, live, get the, the, you have to like, it's a cumbersome, you know, and, and Instagram, I'm seeing some things come through there. So if you want to be a part of the, the digital thing, the digital conversation that's going on on breaks and stuff, it's uh, coach at, at coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And maybe next break, I might take you on a little tour of the studio. Maybe we could do that live. I'll, you know what? I'll do that on Instagram live. A little tour of the studio at coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And we were just talking about, we often talk about how this Yankees lineup, in my opinion, is not constructed to win in 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 the World Series, it's just to me, it's not. Uh, by lineup, I mean roster. I mean, I I am very concerned about the starting pitching. Maybe unnecessarily so. Fine, but I, I am I am concerned about it. Uh, Severino, Cortez, and in his innings limit. But but here's here's the thing: we often don't talk about the Mets, and are the Mets constructed to win a World Series? I think that answer is yes. Because the Dodgers are in town. You know, I've been calling any series against the Mets and Dodgers a, a preview of the NLCS since the last time these, all season long, right? Either way, whether you see it as that or not, it's a great late summer test. And the Yankees had their test against the Astros already. They failed it. The Astros took that seven games. They, they won five of them. Okay, the Yankees failed the test against the Astros. But that was two months ago and a month ago, those series is. Now, we've got the Mets and Dodgers now, happening now. August, late August, it's September almost. So it's a great test for the Mets. We'll see if they ultimately pass it. But I think that this team is built to win it all. And I said it as soon as Max Scherzer announced that he was going to sign with the Mets, that was the missing piece for this team. Big picture, right? I mean, just, just last night, though, a few hours ago, it, it didn't go the Mets' way. And the loss to the Dodgers in that, this game one of this series here, it, it's, it, it exposed the same old story of this Mets team, this 2022 Mets team. The middle relievers coughing up the game. It was just a few hours ago. It was Joely Rodriguez's turn. I mean, it took exactly 13 pitches for him to hand the lead back to the Dodgers before Buck yanked him. And essentially, it was it was game over. And am I happy that the Mets did not address, failed to address the need for the middle reliever at the deadline? Yes. We talked about it already tonight. We, t- we talk about it almost every single show. I mean, Michael Givens, he gave up a game last week, right? He's, he, he's I think, the only reliever that they got at the deadline. I was in Italy. I could have missed one or two. But he was not even on my radar whatsoever. He's been horrible. I mean, this past game, just last night, it was all right. But otherwise, before that, 10 and a third innings. He's got a 9.58 ERA. Given up 18 hits, allowed three home runs. I mean, he has done his best to single-handedly give games away. Except for last night. Maybe that's a bounce back. I don't know. But was this non... What I'll ask you is this. Was this non-address of middle relievers done by design, possibly. Trevor May pitched 
on August 3rd for the first time since May 2nd. And that was because of uh, triceps inflammation in the throwing arm. Before that IL stint, his ERA was 8.64, which is alarming. And his appearances since then, it's 4.32, like half, right? So there is optimum that optimism, optimum, I hate optimum, by the way, but there is optimism that, that he can turn it around from here on out. You would think. Okay, so Trevor May returned. Drew Smith looks like he's going to get some outings under his belt before October rolls around. Maybe 10 days. I, I peg it at maybe 10 days until he's back. He hasn't thrown since July 24th. Strain lat, throwing side. He started fantastically, Drew Smith, if you remember. He didn't allow a run in his first 13 in the third innings. But then after that, from that point on, 5.2 ERA. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm just thinking, like, and the Mets could slot any one of these starters in, in as, a, as a reliever. And we'll talk, we, could, we can look at that, too, if you'd like. But it doesn't negate the fact that the Mets whiffed on a quality arm or two at the deadline in the, in the bullpen. But it, it, it might make it more palatable. Because the biggest question mark still is those middle relievers. Can they get it done? Or, or maybe can they just not F it up <laughs> that bad? I mean, a strong starting pitching staff, one of the best in the league, and an elite closer do provide a little bit of wiggle room. I, and I know it's hard to see after the loss to the Dodgers and the way that it happened and the way that the run scored, but I think this Mets team still has what it takes to take it to distance. Reinforcements are on their way. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. To Rosedale we go, and Max, you're up here on the fan. Yeah, so I was watching the Mets game before, and I'm a fan of... Uh a lot of the teams that never won the championships. But uh, I'm watching this today against the Dodgers, and I'm just like, geez, I just don't even care. If we win, I just was enjoying the game. And that's just never happened to me before in my life. It kind of happens here and there, but, like, it's just, hey, it was a good game. I enjoyed it, but it's like, geez, we're a good team. We're going to be there and just enjoying the goddamn ride. About it. All right, all right. Let's go, let's go, Max. Max, he's enjoying it. Maybe a little too much. Um, yeah. Well, and also too, you know. Again, you don't want to put too much stock in any one game, you know. But you also had Taiwan Walker and and Andrew Heaney, and that I guarantee you that's not going to be a matchup you see in an actual postseason, you know, a series. So there's that too. Always, there's always, you know, there's always something. Always something to keep in mind. Uh, Reggie in Newark, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Love your show. Thank you. And I was listening the other night when a guy somewhat disrespected you about, I think it was Montgomery and saying all this crazy stuff. And I thought your answers were right on point. Thank you. Uh, the thing I just wanted to say about that real brief is that, um, you know, it's just, it just hurts for the fact that they didn't uh, get anyone and they let Montgomery go. And I think about years ago, like Graham Lloyd, how he would come in as a specialist and get out some of them tough left-handers. And in this particular case, they get rid of a guy that, that pitches in New York. Yeah. And that's the thing they don't understand about Judge. They yes. talk about getting Soto and all these different ones. Yep. New York is different. 
Randy Johnson came here and couldn't do it. A lot of big-time players AJ couldn't Burnett do it in couldn't New York. couldn't do it more recently. Exactly. Yeah. Sonny Gray. Getting back, to what you was, getting back to what you were saying, D, about the fact that um, the Mets are built to win it all, I think the Mets and the Yankees are in a lot of trouble. I'm a big-time Yankee fan. But the problem is that look how the Braves handled the Astros. The Astros smoked the Mets. They smoked the Yankees, and that, which is my team. Mm-hmm. But, the, the, but they went through... The Astros almost swept them. So when you look at a team like that, how could you say that? And, and then when you look at their two uh, main pitchers, they got two great pitchers. They can't go but so many innings. Mm. They, they can't go no more, especially the Rom can't go more than six innings. So what you, you try to put in starters to try to be relievers, how do you get to Diaz in the ninth? Yeah, well, that's, See, that, that's and, and it. The, that's the fatal flaw for the New York Mets. That's, that's right. what it's going to be, yes. Yes, and as far as the Yankees go, uh, then, you know, I mean, Cashman, I mean, this guy, I mean, his ego is just, I mean, he, like like people say, he could have got Verlander. He could have got uh, um, um, the guy y'all got, uh, uh, the Mets got, um, the main pitcher. What's Scherzer, Scherzer. 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 Mm-hmm. When you have those tongue twisters, that's one for me. But the thing about it is that, you know, you you don't, in a year that's, that's that we thinking they're going to go and win 114 games, you don't go all out at the deadline to get some good pitches, and then you give up a pitcher that that that, that was a, a battle to me. The team never scored for him, but the guy giving two or three runs up, a left-handed pitcher in New York, yeah, young, yes, and you get rid of this guy and get nothing, get a guy that's injured, yeah, and, and, and the guy makes you like a dummy because you can't let this guy win the game when you played him. Okay, you might have played him and you didn't beat him, but don't you can't let this guy beat you. This guy beat us. Yep. And having, you know, so, you know, but I just want to call and tell you I love your show. Um, uh, I, I respect your show. I, I love all the, the uh, 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 Keith McPherson, all y'all are, are beautiful. And I wish you the best. Thank you so much for taking the call. Hey, Reggie, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're beautiful, too. Uh, and, but, but getting, well, we can open up that can of worms again, too. Letting Montgomery go might have been a fatal flaw for this this Yankee team. And then Cashman comes out and says, oh, well, he, he wasn't going to make the postseason, uh, you know, Anyway, he wasn't going to be on, a, on on in the rotation anyway. What do you mean? What are you, are you just trying to save face? I mean, who, who, you're starting Cole in game one, okay. Severino, where's he been? You know, uh, okay. I, 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 see, I would be pleasantly surprised if Severino comes back and, and, and he's, you know, Luis Severino. Because... You think about how long that that he's been out for too. Like everybody said, oh yeah, Severino's your number two. Really, he is. He he, he is your number two because in this 2022 season, he hasn't pitched since July 13th. Okay, and and and, and in terms of innings, it, it was two innings there. It was six 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 five. I mean, really? You're telling me Montgomery couldn't do that for you? So you got, here's the buildup again, too. When, when is he even coming back, Severino? You got to build him back up in a month? I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees move into to, to like a long reliever sort of type role. You know Aaron Boone loves doing those, those relief pitching games. You know that. So I, I'm not confident in the Yankees pitching. But hey, that's just me. You can tell me what you think. 877-337-6666. We have uh, Nick in West Haven, Connecticut up next here on The Fan. Hi, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? Good. Just a couple of things. Yeah. Okay? 
Aaron Judge is having an historical year. Yeah. Okay, we all get it. All right. What is he going to do for the next eight years? I mean, is he going to ha- is he going to hit sixty home? I, listen, great player. I think it's a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe his handlers, his people looking to make, you know, as much money as you possibly can. At the end of the day, do you want to be a Yankee? I mean, you had a caller, you had a caller compare him to Derek Jeter, okay? Yeah. Now, Jeter's a first ballot Hall of Fame. We all know the success of uh-huh. Derek Jeter, historic, right? He had an opportunity to sign somewhere else, and he didn't. He wanted to be a Yankee. Yeah. So I don't know if you if you go to the table you give them a fair contract that, that you know that you know I I think it'll get it done I, the, I mean are right, you talking about the match I just think that's that's just go- gossip I mean you had one caller How? said oh if you went to the Mets. If you went to the Mets, um, I would be uh, a Mets fan I mean, How do you do that That I don't know That I'm not sure about But but you don't think it's a realistic possibility that Aaron Judge would I, would, would, would be I, elsewhere I, that that Steve Cohen would isn't salivating already at that possibility? I, I, I do. I do. I think, no, I think, I think they do it. It doesn't even have to be Cohen. They've done it with, you know, saying, they've, the Yankees been outbid by players recently, especially. I get that. But at the end of the day, do you want, I mean, here's a guy who spent, you know, his young career with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. He has an opportunity to make a ton of money with the Yankees. Why would you go anywhere else? You know, that, you know for what? How much money or how much do you need? Is it all about the dollar? I mean, somewhere along the line, you know, you got to say, hey, I want to be a Yankee. I want to be the captain. I want to be, you know, I want to be my legacy with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. You know, what about Derek Jeter? He could have went anywhere. He could have went with the Mets. Even before Cohen, they could have, you know, some of these guys, I don't know. I, I just think at the end of the day, how much is enough is enough, you know? And, and, and even, even if he doesn't sign with the Yankees, okay, say $45 million. He says, no, I'm going to the Mets. Well, you know what? We got forty five million to get someone else to build our team. I there's nothing you can do about it, you know? I mean I don't know. For me, I just and, look- and when when he tur- so here's two things. When he turned down that deal, for me and I said it on the it was never about I mean, it's of course about the dollar, but for me it was about the years for Aaron Judge. I think he turned down the years. And then right. and then he, he clearly felt disrespected when, when the the numbers and the figures leaked out. So that's like kinda like I don't know, definitely one strike. Right, that you could put that in your feather in your cap and say, "Look, you embarrassed me in front of the entire world right. by putting these numbers out here." So, like, I'm not giving you a hometown discount. I love the Yankees. I'm grateful for the Yankees, but I can't. I can't work for you. You know, and and the arbitration years too, when they when you have to sit there and listen to them to pre, you know present reasons why why you're not capable of of getting that money and why you don't haven't earned that that dollar amount. I mean, it's all like behind the scenes sort of stuff that you know could make a player feel kind of slighted, maybe, and and maybe want to maybe start to explore and, and maybe end up elsewhere. Right. Just think of it no, that I, way. I, no, I, no, that's a good point. I, I understand it fully. All I'm saying is there's a lot of benefits. If you come within twenty, thirty million dollars, there's more benefits playing in New York, especially where his history is, where he started, than going to you know the Dodgers, the Mets, anybody that wants to offer him the money. Yeah. I, I mean, you look at the, you, know, you look at even in the past, like Bernie Williams, when the boss was around. Yeah. When his contract was up, the Red Sox, he, the Red Sox wanted him. You know, and they were offering him the same money. He's not going to go to the Red. You know, I don't know. There comes yeah. a point where, I mean, would he sign with the Mets? I, he probably would. Okay, I, I don't know. I mean, if he, if that's what he wants to do, 
then that, that, is that going to make me a Met fan? Not in a million years. Yeah, right. Not in a million years. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, Yankees will have $45 million that they're saving, but I'd offer $40 million, whatever the numbers are. And you know what? Let's, let's go next year. Let's see what we got. One free agent comes. This year, a little different. I mean, and again, he's having a historical year. I mean, look at his last three years. He's a great player. I don't want to go there. I understand. Great, I understand. Great player. Mm-hmm. But he's having one of the best years. He's having an MVP year. Right. If he can have an MVP year for seven years, is that what we're no. investing in? Yeah, yeah. no. Well, yeah. then that's the business side of, of, the, of the player. Right. You know, the, the Yankees, I don't know. that. Listen, they, they've handled business. They've negotiated. They've, got, they've signed all the people throughout the years that we've asked them to sign as Yankee fans. For the most part, they've re-signed them. They've signed them. Mm-hmm. Okay, some have gotten away. Fine. I, I do want to comment on the, the um, Monty there uh, when, when he was traded. I was listening to Jack Curry. Okay, I, I, I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, I love Jack Curry. Yeah, I, love Jack. yeah, I mean, I was listening to the trading deadline. Right before the trading deadline, you know, time was ticking. It was going to end and all that. And they had already picked up Montrose, you know, and they were in negotiation for, um, who's the kid's name, Lopez for the Mar- from the Marlins, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And they, he was saying that very close to getting them, they'll sign them. And I'm saying, wow, that's, you know. And then they announced that Montgomery was gone. I think that they were almost ready to sign Lopez. Something happened at the last minute. Either they backed, either the, I think Miami backed out the last minute where they already traded Montgomery thinking that they were going to get this Lopez guy. Because mm. it doesn't make sense. And I don't think, I don't think Cashman is being up front and letting us know about it. I think he got a little bit of egg on his face hmm. because this kid and this Lopez, was, according to Jack Curry, was a done deal right at the trading deadline. To sign Montgomery makes, uh, to let him go makes absolutely no sense. Huh. And I think that was the reasoning behind it. They were getting Lopez, and then they were going to let Montgomery go because Lopez probably, in their mind, would have pitched in the playoffs. That's what I kind of think. Huh. I did uh, not Lopez. consider that. And, and, Nick, that's a great point. I mean, I, I was out of the country when this all went down, uh-huh. so it was hard for me to keep the timelines. I, I was in Italy. I was in a completely different oh. time zone. So it was hard for me to keep the timelines of all this right. But when you put yeah. it that way, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because I was remember I was listening. It was right before the deadline, and you listen to Everton, Everton, and uh, you know the afternoon show, and Carlton. <laughs> but you know they were talking how time was ticking, the trading deadline, the Mets didn't get anybody because I guess Carlton was picking on Evan a little bit, <laughs> and Jack Curry was saying it was right at the and because they got Montrose, which and they they had to get a pitcher. I knew that. And then he was saying that they're very close to picking up, and I think the kid, I think his name was uh, Lopez. And for some reason, um, it must have felt real because I don't think they would have made that trade if they had more time right. either to go get someone else or if they had more time to to not let them go. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I understand. I think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, Nick, that's um, a good point. When you when you look at it that way, that is a good point. Um, like I said, and I'm not making any excuses. I am not an excuse maker, but it's a little fuzzy. It was the first day I was traveling. I don't sleep on planes at all, um, whatsoever. So I, it was an all nighter and then I'm getting, you know, you don't have any internet on planes. I, you know, I didn't buy it cause I thought I might be able to sleep, but forget about it. And then I'm, I, I, we arrive at the Rome airport. My phone is just like blowing up with all of the notifications. And I was just kind of like, oh, wow. Like, wow. I, uh. I can't keep all this straight. I just couldn't keep it straight. Um, 
So uh, that that makes sense. The timeline of that does make sense. Um, I'd like to uh, let's see. You know what? Let's do this. We talked a little bit briefly about the uh, about the Mets and what they can do to alleviate this 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 bridge from starter starting pitching to Edwin Diaz and, and what can they do? What are their options? There's a leading candidate, obviously, to take over those innings, and it's it's going to be, I think, Tyler McGill when he returns. And if it's me, Daniel McCartan, GM of the New York Mets, and if Tyler McGill doesn't work out, well, I've got a next best candidate pivot option right here on The Fan coming up. Have something to say? We'll answer the phone. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Most part. All our starters are back, and then by the time I do come back, if I were to start, it'd be maybe three starts, four starts. But would I get starts up here? Probably not. So I guess they wanted to throw me into the bullpen, and so be it. I'll finish it out. You know, do whatever I can do to help the team win. Yeah, that's the voice of Tyler McGill, courtesy of SNY, uh, discussing a, a role change uh, upon his return to the Mets roster any day now. He hasn't pitched since June 16th because of a strained right throwing shoulder. So the Mets, because of that, see him as a reliever when he returns. And it's a good experiment for now. I mean, Jeremy uh, Jeremy Hefner, the pitching coach for the Mets, he said he, he called it like a, the role would be something like a, a one, and this is a quote, one inning, come in and blow the doors and fist pump, big drip style role. Yes, he said big drip. <laughs> That's some big... That's some that's some lotto big big energy, but McGill said he's he's excited about it and and I like the strategy because if you're kind of looking at McGill to make the move to the bullpen, you know if it doesn't work out for whatever reason and you need another one to try somebody else like this is the time to tinker a, a tiny bit with the Mets they have an easier schedule they actually have the easiest schedule remaining in the league and this is the kind of time to tinker so. I tell you, it's not going to be Taiwan Walker, so forget it. Uh, he's only pitched four times in relief in his life, in his career, in, in professional baseball. And they're all in average leverage situations. He's not. He's also stretched out to be a starter in terms of innings. Um, Walker's out. But intriguing to me, other than Tyler McGill in that, in that role, to try to bolster that bullpen, intriguing, Carlos Carrasco, who... As a starter this season, has a worse ERA than Walker, so it makes him a candidate. He's pitching 47 games in relief in his career, and they average to be what's called high-leverage situations. So you know Carlos Carrasco's battle-tested as, as a reliever as well. And only 44 of his, uh, 44% of his inherited runners end up scoring, which it's fairly low, right? It's not a bad option, but the best option is the one that the Mets chose that's going to be Tyler McGill. So when the question is, are the Mets built to win a World Series? Well, you got to think of what's coming back and who's coming, you know, Tyler McGill out of the bullpen. I mean, I know he hasn't pitched since June 16th, but he only aver- he's not going to be a starter when he comes back. And he is coming back. I mean, he averages four and a half innings per start. And it's, and, and, and it's now it's the 31st of August. There's no way they're going to stretch him out enough. And he wasn't even ever stretched out in the beginning of the season to begin with. So to do it now, it's impossible. Not even, it's not close. And then Tyler McGill, 
he was a reliever in college. And he's kind of always been seen in that light and in that role to scouts. And in like a short juice scenario, I mean, his fastball reached 99 miles an hour for the first time this season. He's good in short spurts. So I'm excited to see uh, what Tyler McGill can do too. And again, it's all contingent upon the Mets starting pitching, which is among the best in the league. So I, I think uh, I, I think with that said, I think the Mets are going to be in good shape, especially with Degrom and Scherzer at the top of that, that that rotation. I mean, come on, I mean that's like fantasy baseball, isn't it? Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the number to call. You want to tweet me at Coach M C C A R T A N? There are a lot of tweets coming in. I'm trying to pick a few to read, but it's um it, they're hard. It's a lot. So. Bear with me. I'm also getting DMs, paragraphs of DMs. It's like, I'm doing a show. How can I, how can I? Oh, anyway, uh, Charlie in Danbury, Connecticut wants to say something. Go ahead, Charlie. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? Uh, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for uh, it. Uh, but I, I got to disagree with you, and that's rare that I do. Uh, uh, I do agree the Yankees, uh, the Yankees are probably going out in the first round, and that's coming from a diehard Yankee fan. Uh, well, it depends uh, on who who that who that first round is against. Honestly, I think that I think they'll survive the first round. I, they're going to get to the Astros, and then it's going to be all over. I think. Either way, it's it's uh, uh, they're not a championship team. They haven't been, uh, uh, and that. But you're building discord between Judge and the Yankees that just isn't there. He, and that, but he used he he said he was unhappy with how that played out. How that number? Oh, was absolutely, leaked. and and I've been supporting Judge uh, back in April when when most Yankee fans were vilifying him uh, before he went on this this wonderful uh, uh, season. Uh, uh, I thought it was was Cashman uh, made a huge mistake by going public with with yes. his offers and that. Uh, uh, I've been on the fan many times with it, but at at the arbitration hearing, and he was—he uh, publicly stated that he was, uh, you know, going to put on uh, uh, a suit and tie and attend the hearing. Yes, and it, and then, it never happened. And then, no, it never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they compromised, uh, and that—that that said to me that he really does want to be a Yankee. Mm. And I can see eight years at uh, forty per year plus. The money that he didn't get in arbitration. So let's just say three hundred and twenty-five million. Eight years, three twenty-five, which makes it how much? Forty, forty million a year. Yeah, yeah. I think he would sign that. Four is a thirty-two plus five, three twenty-five. I think he would sign that. Now, will the Yankees give that out? Well, they're crazy if they don't. And I'll 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 close with one last thing Mm -hmm. because he's going to be thirty-one next April. And people keep saying you're gonna, you, that means he'll be 39. No, he'll be 38 the last year of the contract. He'll be 31 in the first year, right. 32 in the second year, mm-hmm. 38 in the eighth year. Okay. Eight years, 40 million. Watch. I think he does it. Thank you. Uh, and, and, and Charlie, good point there. And, and, and again, it's, it's the years for him. So I don't think he ever wants to go through this again. So eight years at forty million a year, forty point five a year, 
He's signing that contract, in my opinion. But are the Yankees going to give it to him? Are the Yankees going to do that? Do they want a 38-year-old Aaron Judge making $40 million a year on their payroll? I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. So it's interesting. You know, and and I I a couple of Mets fans are tweeting me and they're like, "Well, how could you say that they have to sign, you know, DeGrom and they have to sign Alonzo and they have to sign it and then and they're going to sign Judge on top of that?" Well, by the way, Alonzo has two more years of arbitration left on his deal. So that that's that's a that's a moot point, you know, as far as I'm concerned right now. I mean, you can get creative and everything, but um I, you know, by it's a good point. By by Judge and the Yankees agreeing to, you know, to settle before the. I mean, he was right. Wasn't the story that he was dressed in the suit and ready to go on the Zoom on the Zoom meeting, and then they 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 struck a deal. I don't know. It's like, do you, you know, how do I say that? Like, maybe at that point, and I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but maybe at that point. Judge did not want to because it was it just happened. It was this year. So maybe at that point, Judge did not want to lay all of his cards and his agent didn't want to lay all the cards on the table to say like, okay, here are the reasons why he deserves, you know, whatever, whatever that dollar amount was. Here are all the reasons why. Maybe they didn't want to show their hand because they wanted to show it in the big negotiation. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they wanted to keep that tight to the vest. So that now they can use all those cards. And now what a card they have now of this season. I mean, the final card that just dropped down on the table is boom. Broke uh, Roger Maris's franchise record in home runs. Boom. Last one. Mic drop. So so just playing devil's advocate, maybe that's the reason why he 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 didn't, you know, he, he decided he was just going to settle. In the grand scheme of things, how many millions of dollars would it have t- shaved off? I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't think it would have been that significant. Five, maybe, $5 million difference. But you would get that back in, in, in the longer-term deal, if that makes sense, without showing your cards, with, without giving the Yankees an entire season to prepare a PowerPoint or a Google Slides presentation of, okay, all c- c- rebuttals to all the points that you, you presented in, in the, the arbitration hearing. Maybe that's why. Or Or... Or maybe it was just an act of good faith. It could go either way. You and me and and my dog, we're, we're not in the room. We don't know. We don't know what's being said. We're not part of it. We're not an agent. We're not the family of, of, of the athlete and of, of, of Brian Cash when he goes home, tells his wife what's going on. We're not privy to that information. We can only make a conjecture about it. So... Long term, where does he end up? You know, no one really knows. And uh, I, I, I can't even keep up. I got four paragraphs to read here on this on this sixty second break by someone a uh, Met fan in the DMs. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I can't keep up with this. If you have that much to say, how about you just give me a call eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. This is like hard to keep. Keep in touch. Uh, keep uh, keep a track of. But hey, you want you want to send little tweets? I can accurate response. The hits keep coming. Oh, what a judging blast! The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Way up in the bleachers. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. 
Kristen McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. We roll along to the 4 a.m. hour. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for tweeting, even though some of them are long. Uh, look, I, I got through two of them on that on that short little turnaround, so I'm trying. I'm trying to keep up. I am. I hope you enjoyed the Susan Waldman interview. I think, uh, Sus, is that up on demand yet or not yet? The Susan Waldman? It's up. Look at it. You are a ex- producer extraordinaire. But I'm not going to direct you to the on-demand section yet because there's still two hours of my show left. All right? So, uh, judge contract, what could that look like? I mean, the guy is going to win. Not only not only is he going to break the Yankee franchise record for home runs in a single season, the guy is also going to win AL MVP. What is that worth? Show me the Quan, right? And another thing, too. StubHub released the top 10. Sus, you want to play a little game with me? You want to play a little game, a little guessing game? He's looking for headphones. Okay, so what happened is, because you can still hear me, right? So StubHub released the top 10 in-demand NFL teams for tickets on the resale market. And that is going into the regular season without having played any anything, just preseason games. So let's play a little guessing game. What is, what do you think, what is the most in-demand NFL team on the secondary market, according to StubHub? Hmm, this is a really good one. I'm, I'm going to, it's because I can think, only think of two teams that have a potential because it would only come down to how backloaded is their season ticket waiting list. Mm. I think that's what it comes down to. And I think my, my first guess is probably going to be the Green Bay Packers. Third. Wow. Well, okay. Not completely off. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do, how many more guesses do I get? I don't know. You want to have three in total? Okay, let's do it. Okay, okay. we can just use the first one. Yep. Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are not on the list. Believe it or really? not. Yeah. Believe you, it or not. You think that having get, getting to see Patrick Mahomes yeah. every Sunday would be driving the entire city of Kansas City, even the state of Missouri, to just pack into <laughs> that stadium yeah. and then to watch one of the greatest court, the greatest best quarterback right now. Yeah, I, so I feel like we're playing Family Feud here. So the top ten end of man NFL teams for tickets according to StubHub are so you got the number three answer, which was the Green Bay Packers. Okay, yep, I, and I also gave the Chiefs, and I'm going to say number one Raiders. The Raiders are four. You know what? I think I know what it is. And Tell I'm, me, I, Cal, it's the Cowboys, isn't it? It is the Cowboys. Why did I not think of this? <laughs> it, they, it's like America's team. It, sh- it should have thought. I yeah. think my disdain for the Cowboys is just there. It's yeah. just like it just mentally, I just blocked it out and I just <laughs> completely forgot yeah. that they are like the number one attraction. Like everyone wants to go see them. Everyone wants to go to Jerry's World. And then even if they're good, they're bad. They're they, they're always like in the news every single day. It's always one little thing. It's like, oh, one little offensive lineman gets injured. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're America's team. Come on. America's team. America's team. Now, now granted, they're the, the key piece of their lineman, Ty, Ty, Tyron Smith, did actually get injured. So that, that's um, coincidental. But anyway, I, I was just thinking to myself, I would have thought the Packers just because it's so backloaded with like their notoriously backloaded season uh, ticket wait- yeah. waiting list is well uh, documented. Yeah. And I'm not really sure how backloaded the Cowboys season tickets are, but I was just thinking to myself, it has to be one of those, like either one of those four teams that I, the first three teams I guess, or it would have been the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Cowboys are number one. So the top 10 independent, good job. You did okay. You did good. You got, you got, 
I'm, if we're playing Family Feud, I'm cheering for you. I am cheering for you. Good answer. Good answer. So, top 10 uh, in-demand secondary market you know, teams, according to Step Up. Number one, the, the, the number one answer, Dallas Cowboys. The number two answer, Tampa Bay Bucks. Three, Suss got was the Green Bay Packers. Four, he also got, which is the Las Vegas Raiders. Then to round out, you got the Rams, Bills, Steelers, 49ers, Dolphins, Eagles. I know that's a lot, but you know what I, you know what I, I, I do not like seeing? I do not like seeing that the Packers are ranked third on that list. Because as you may know, my brother's a Packers fan, and we, and my, and my dad too, uh, we, we, he's not a Packers fan, but I'm saying we, my brother, my dad, and I, we had the Packers-Jets game circled on our calendars to go to this season. I mean, we even got as far as booking the hotel. I mean, you can always get a refund on it, right? Just cancel it in time. But the problem we're running into is that the tickets are just so expensive. And, and don't get, I, I have no problem spending the money. I don't. But to spend $250, $300, and sit in the last row of the stadium, that's uh, kind of where I draw the line. I don't know about that. It's the experience. I get it. We'll see what we end up doing, but and I'll keep you posted, obviously. But you know, it's, it's good news in our area because that means that the Jets and the Giants single-game tickets won't be too expensive. I mean, it's still an investment. Don't get me wrong. To go to a game between the ticket, the parking, the concessions, you bring in a family— but at least the Jets and Giants are not in the top 10 in-demand teams. We'll see what that looks like at the end of this season. But, yeah, Cowboys, Bucks, Packers, Raiders. Raiders. Misha Tate has uh, season tickets to the Raiders. I got to get out there. I've seen the stadium from the outside, never the inside. But it looks awesome from the outside, especially at nighttime. Oh, my God. And then I look at what we have, and it's like, yuck. All right, to the phones we go at 877-337-6666 to the Bronx, and it's Val on the fan. Go ahead. Miss Danielle, good night. How are you? This is two nights in a row. I know. I'm I'm honored. I am so honored. No, no, no. The honor is mine. <laughs> okay? I have I have three points I want to make with you, but once again, you do this to me where before I can get into what I got to say, <laughs> I have to give kudos to the show. Oh, that's great. I, I, Thank you. Okay. I'm a guy like this, all right? There's some ladies that are in broadcasting that I like to consider as my version of a guy's girl. Okay. There's Linda Cohn. Okay? Mm -hmm. There is Susan Waldman. Mm -hmm. Did you hear her before? She was here before. Say again? She was on before. Did you hear her? Yes, I did. Okay, yes, good. I did. And that's part of what I'm getting getting good. into right now. There's Anita Marks. Um, but, and, and one of the things that I like about what you do at night is we get some interviews with some really, really cool people mm-hmm. in addition to all the calls. Yes. Um, but, like, I say guys, girls, because these are women that I would like to be, like, sitting down watching, like, the game of the year, whether mm-hmm. it's football, basketball, or baseball, and be sitting down in a bar with beers just running so that I could talk to them and ask them questions and get their insight on things. Mm -hmm. And you have become one of those people in my mind now. This is two nights in a row. Between the culture that you're giving me, I'm a reader. I read a lot of nonfiction, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of history stuff. But, like, between, like, 
Because you gave me a book that I got to go look up for, from last night when you were talking about the Nets. Yeah. And now I heard this one with um, uh, Cleon. The, 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 yes. Yeah. And I have to go check that one out, too. Um, if, if your book club is, is it like sports centric or do yeah. you also have other things? No, the idea, the idea I had was like, I wanted to pick out a book, like, like, you know, talk to Jameson Tyone cause he's on TV right now, but t- talk to Jameson Tyone and say, Hey, like, what are you reading right now? Like l- do an interview with me and we'll talk about whatever you're reading. And then it kind of evolved into like, all right, well, Cleon Jones wrote a book. Let me read it and let me interview him about his book. So, I mean, either way, but I do try to keep them. Yes, definitely sports, sports centric. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, because I was going to su- suggest one to you, but it's it's not really one that would make your book club if it's sports-centric. But it is kind of current to what's going on nowadays, and it's something that was written a long, long time ago. There's a book out um, from, I think it was like from the 60s or the 70s, called On the Beach, mm-hmm. written by a gentleman by the name of Neville Shute. Mm-hmm. And Shoot. I think Got that it. would be a good read. You you might, and I'm, and I'm somebody who reads nonfiction, a lot of history books and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's actually a fiction book, but it's kind of like, has some weird things in history mixed up in it. If you ever read it, you might find it interesting, and maybe one day we could talk about it. Sure. Um, but that interview with Susan Waldman, I, I hold it in such high regard. My daughter, when she hit, she's 27 now, when she hit like her high school age and she became a shopper, I became the person that would take her and her mother to the mall all the time. And I fell in love with John Sterling and Susan Waldman because mm-hmm. when I couldn't be home to watch my games, I could sit down in the car while they were running up and down through all kinds of malls and outlets. <laughs> I mean, we've made it to Ocean City, the Tanga outlet in yeah. Rehoboth, <laughs> just so they could, you know, prep for school and all this stuff like that. Yeah. And I could sit in the car and put on the Yankee game and listen to them. And the pictures that her and Sterling paint, mm-hmm. it's like I could see the game in my head yes. and appreciate exactly what is going on. Yep. And, you know, I'm actually kind of worried because I haven't jer- heard John's voice in the broadcast in a little while. And I'm just, I, I met him one time in Jersey and he signed an autograph for me. He was such a gracious dude. I mean, yeah, he's a nice and guy. Susan, it, the two of them compliment each other so well when they are on the air, you see everything that's going on and she does a great job of like, you know, just giving you perspective as much as he's painting the picture, cause he's doing the play by play. Here she comes with that perspective to give you something that you didn't know about something that's actually going on right then and there. So a beautiful interview and her insight on what's going on right now was dead on point. And I think she's one of the few people that speaks her mind when she talks about it because she had that interview with you. She didn't sound like a homer. That's right. She exactly. Some of the, the, the real stuff, too. I, yep. I really appreciated that. Yep. So I hold you in very, very high regard now. I'm, I, I, I I, I love what it's two nights in a row, like I said, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I kind of given the calling for, I said a few things a while back and then I just sat back and was listening because I was seeing things playing out. So, but you made me start picking up the phone to call again. So thank you. Oh, Val, thank but you. To get to my, to get to my three points. Okay. Point number one, that judge thing. I'm glad that guy called in and started to talk about that. And, and like, cause amongst me and some of my friends, I told them, and I don't know, like, however fate made it work out, you're going to get, I said it early, the minute you come into a contract year, I don't know what it is with these guys, but the minute they hit a contract year, all the little things that kept them out of a game, you know, you want to say he's off injured, yeah. notice how healthy he was this year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially when you're somebody that's willing to bet on yourself yep. and, and, and has the stuff to back it up. Mm-hmm. I knew, 
I was going to get, if you were a Yankee fan that follows like hot stove and stuff like that, mm-hmm. from the minute you heard that they didn't decide on anything, you knew you were going to get a golden year yep. from Aaron this year. I put and 20 bucks on him to win MVP, and I'm I'm taking it to the bank. Power to him, because he play, he's playing that leverage out to the max. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, p- part of what he said also, um, the previous caller, leads me to believe, because I even was somebody who actually wanted Juan Soto. And the fact that they didn't, like, even budge on that, or it didn't even seem like they considered that, leads me to believe that the Yankees are kind of like, um, as much as I believe Aaron wants to be a Yankee, the Yankees want him to be a Yankee, too. So I'm, I'm hopeful that things will work out. As far as that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Point point number two. You know, what, what, and some people said it before, and it's been playing out where you're hearing that with the whole, because we talked about Monty yesterday too. And that's some of why I gave it a little bit of a pass, because you heard that there was stuff going on, rumblings that were happening with Cashman as far as like a second. And maybe he saw Montez as somebody he could build up. Mm -hmm. And, Pablo Lopez was really the dude that he was going for. You mentioned that you didn't really hear about that, but that was something that did come up. A lot of people said that they were, like, about to sign the dotted line. And I think what happened was people realized that they could they, they tried to play Cashman a little bit to see if they could get more out of the deal. And he held firm, you know, and, and said, as much as it made it look like he had egg on his face, he held firm and was like, no, because maybe they called for a Volpe. Maybe they called for – they tried to push the button once they realized that he had already moved Monty. Mm. And maybe that was his mistake. Mm. But my thing is, I can't give the pass because the real one to get was Castillo. Right. And if you weren't getting him, you should have just stayed past. Yes, exactly. And said, you know what? Yes. What I have is what I'm going with. Yep. Because all these other things, like I said, were just pivot moves yep. that now we got to sit down. And, and I told you how I feel about Montos, you know – on montage or whatever. I never I told you him. how I feel yeah. about him mm-hmm. yesterday. You know what I mean? Yep. The, the, I, we got issues. Unless he, like, flips out and shows me something totally different, makes me put my foot in my mouth, I'm sorry. I got problems with that. And number three, and I'm going to leave you with this one. I said it before. The old time of the day, you hear that talk with, with Hal getting booed. The, the difference is, man, if you look at him, and everybody, the old time is going to come in and call and talk about his father and this, that, the other, and the third. Yo, the movie, okay, that puts this all in perspective, Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Mm-hmm. Pop comes into school and talks to Ricky as a young kid and the rest of his friends and says, if you're not first, you're last. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's Pop. That's George. And Ricky, at some point throughout the movie, you know, which is why I like, you know, Will Farrell. He's kind of like Ben, I mean, um, what's that guy's name? Um, Adam Sandler for me. As much as they're funny, they give you some emotional stuff and they make you think too. He went through this transition where he realized in his mind it was fine because he said it. What are you talking about? You could be second, you could be third, you could be, you could be all kinds of other things besides that. That's, that's how. Hal is. As long as I got a chance to, 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 to push through, you can't tell me I'm doing something wrong. George was like, this whole thing with the all-in, that was, if I'm not first, yes, I failed. Of course. And, and Hal is like, ah, I made it to the, the, the final round just before the World Series. We had a successful year. Yeah. That wouldn't have been something that would have come out of his father's mouth. Right. I'm sorry to say that. And that's the difference. And that's why, as much as I understand where Hal comes from, 
that's why, like, on the, you know, the old-timers day, and they said he was there, and, they, you know, some people said there was, like, some rumblings of him getting booed. That's where that that stuff comes from because sure. people got people haven't made that transition to where he's at. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we no, still I get hold it. on to our Yankees as we support. If anything is out there, it's all ours, which is why I still feel like I should have had Juan Soto. But that's another story altogether. Another you have day. a beautiful night, Daniel, and I thank you. I thank you very, very much for what you're doing on the show. You have a great, great, great morning. Thanks, Val. You too. Thank you. Oops, sorry. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, all good stuff there. I, I never saw Talladega Nights, and I know people were upset that I never saw Seinfeld. Listen, I, I only have a finite number of hours that, that I can, you know, work with. I mean, I work all day long. I coach after school. I come home. I watch a little bit of news because I have to figure out what's going on in the world and in our, in our you know, our neighborhoods around here. And then I watch sports. So there's not a lot of time for me to, to, to watch other things. But, um, yeah, so I never saw that movie. But I get, I get the premise. I, if you're not first, you're last. That's, that's how I live. If I'm not first, I'm last. You know, and in and, and, and my classes, too, and we play games for extra credit, whatever, I don't give extra credit. They have to earn it. They have to win the game. And when they say, oh, second place, can we get it? I say, well, are you in first place? They said, no, we're in second. I said, well, then, then you're in last. So that's, that's what I teach them. I, I don't give out participation trophies in my class. Um, yeah, so I get it. I get it. And, and, and he was trying, Val was trying to articulate there was that the Hal Steinbrenner era and the George Steinbrenner era are, you know, different in terms of what a quote-unquote successful season is. So there you go. Um, we can continue with the baseball if you'd like. Uh but I did. I, I came across something that I had to bring to your attention. There, there, I couldn't not let this go because I, I don't know the next time I'm going to be on, so I couldn't let this go. And especially because, well, it's Wednesday now, but Tuesday there was roster cutdown day uh, in in the NFL, and you know there's a, there's a, a real big fish free agent who is still looking for a team to play on. Odell Beckham Jr. Super Bowl winning Odell Beckham Jr. You know, he hinted on Instagram that uh, there's a possibility he would like to return to the New York Giants. Do you want Odell Beckham back in blue? To me, it would be a disastrous move. That would be a disaster. I'm Daniel McCartan. Let's talk about a possible New York Giants, Odell Beckham reunion at 877-337-6666 because I I think Giant fans, I I think I know which way that's going to go, but I'd like to hear hear the arguments where he he, he would welcome him back. You know, he had that problem with Eli Manning. Well, Eli Manning's no longer there. You know, so I'll tell you what he said on Instagram. And then let's 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 flush this out a little bit because Odell Beckham still doesn't have a team. Is it possible that he re- reunites with the Giants? Let's talk about it coming up next here on the Fan. Whether you're first time, long time, or all the time, call the Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by SuperBook, better odds and favorable prices.
Look at us throwing it back there, sus. I don't even, you can't even say the words to these songs on the radio. <laughs> He's shaking his head. No, you don't want me to, you don't want me to rap this? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, at 4.30 in the morning, I just on, on Instagram did a, a live little tour from my seat of the studio. I hope you enjoyed that at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Maybe when the breaks are a little longer in the 5 a.m. hour, we can do a little bit, a little bit more in-depth tour maybe i'll get a be able to get out of the seat and 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 show you more here but um yeah we've been talking about you know the yankees and the mets and and their construction and and are they built for the postseason are they built for a world series run or world series championship even dare i say it um you know the mets are on a collision course with the dodgers you know that the yankees are on a collision course with the astros and and among all that in the midst of all that aaron judge as he's on the tv right now uh, in the in the encore presentation of the game uh, in the studio here on the Yes Network, I mean he is in the middle of and it's 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 you're witnessing history every time he steps into the batter's box. So all of that is on the table, as well as the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. hinted on Instagram he he would be open to a New York Giants reunion. We'll get into that real quick, but first we got to go to Nick in Queens. You're up on the fan, Nick. Go ahead. Hey, how are you, Coach? I'm great. How are you? Good. Terrific show as always. Thank you. So I think the one thing that we need to talk about in this city is the, the New York Mets, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, uh, I feel like, trending upwards. Definitely. And I see two different teams. I see a team kind of that's been consistent all year as opposed to the Yankees where it's uh, lots of highs, lots of lows. And I just lo- I love hearing about the lows. I love hearing about how the sky is falling at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I see what's happening these next two weeks are huge. These next two series against the Rays are huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be a completely different story in a couple of weeks. You're saying Yankees-Astros uh, might not even come to that. It might you be know, more of a wild-card situation. Oof. Uh, oh, my God. I, I want to I <laughs> be on the radio that night because that's going to be an easy night. Wow. It's entirely possible. It is. You would have to just see where who you know who would be get the draw like who who would they play in in a matchup like that i don't know and i feel cautiously optimistic i feel things uh i don't know i'm optimistic about everything at this point well nick that that that's great i mean it's uh that's great for you it's just uh there, there's a lot of baseball to be played for sure definitely um and and, and as blah, 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 sorry blah, blah, blah. as Fifty and as fifty-three man rosters. I mean, for the NFL now, let's switch gears because we got some Odell Beckham tweets and everything coming in here. Um, fifty-three man rosters were set all across the NFL. Just I don't know what is it, twelve hours from now, uh, twelve hours ago, a little over twelve hours ago. Um, and a free agent that that you might know, uh, a guy named Odell Beckham Jr. He doesn't yet have a team to play on when he comes back from from rehabbing that ACL tear, and in recent past, he, he softened his tone about the Giants. He's reportedly stays in touch with John Mara. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know. And then there was a comment from a Giant fan on, uh, on I guess it was his Instagram post. And, and the, the fan wrote to him, come back to New York. We need you ASAP. To that, Odell Beckham responded. This is a quote. He said, we'll see. I do miss my damn squad. Wanted to win a ring for that city. End quote. Really? I have one phrase to respond to that comment. Like, you really wanted to win a ring for, for New York? 
I, I'd say this, boat trip. I mean, since that boat trip, the Giants are 22-60, and 60, and that is pathetic. And I know it's not entirely Odell Beckham Jr.'s fault. I mean, he plays one position on an offense of 11 guys, right? But the culture that he brought with him, that it was not conducive to that team at that moment in time. That's not what the Giants are about. They've been reeling ever since. And, and at the time, you know, if you're a fan of the show going way back, you know that I preached right here that you don't give up on talent. You know, it's a motto that we use every single cut day on any team that I coach. Odell Beckham Jr. is a talented wide receiver. He was phenomenal in the playoffs for the Rams last season against the Cardinals, the Bucks, the 49ers in the Super Bowl two before that ACL game. Just look at the numbers. You go look. Check the numbers. But this isn't the same Odell Beckham Jr. A, he's going to be 30 years old in November. So, so what kind of a deal are you giving him? B, he tore his ACL in February. It's it's the clock. The calendar is just about to, to turn to, to September. I mean, the Mayo Clinic says the rehab is at least eight months for something like that. So that puts the timeline to at least what mid October. And, and I mean, Giants fans know better than anybody. Saquon Barkley tore his ACL and, and other things. And he still doesn't trust it. How many years ago was that? I mean, he's still not back to 100% Saquon Barkley. And he's five years younger than Odell Beckham Jr. So, he, he, he theoretically, you would think that he would heal faster. And I know there was more damage than just the ACL. I get that. Okay, point well taken. But ultimately, I don't think there's any room on this on this roster for for both Odell Beckham Jr. and his ego to check back in here with the New York Giants. I mean... He's a father now, so I assume he's mellowed out a little bit from his, you know, field goal kicking net days. But I think ultimately he's going to end up on the Rams. I mean, that's my feeling. McVay had a very long quote, Sean McVay did, uh, uh, you know, about Odell Beckham Jr. The most important parts are this. He said, quote, I really want Odell back on our team. He brought a great spark to our team and without a doubt wanting to get Odell back here. And then someone he responded again on that same Instagram post to someone, um, you know, indicating he would go back to the Rams. Odell said, they know where I want to be. And he put two, like, laughing, crying faces. Just can't play for free. So I think much ado about nothing, I say. But you know what? Even if the Giants entertained it for a single minute, it's just a mistake. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. Your thoughts on Odell Beckham Jr. saying on Instagram, this is a quote, we'll see about rejoining the Giants. I do miss my damn squad. Wanted wanted to win a ring for that city. That's Odell Beckham Jr. on Instagram. Long Island, we go. Steve, you're up on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Enjoy your show. Thank you. I, I uh, have mixed feelings about uh, Beckham returning to New York. I'm not a Giants fan, so I don't have skin in the game. But uh, I view Odell Beckham as a notch above Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't hold him in particularly high regard. I don't think he's uh, a good presence uh, in the locker room. As you uh, indicated, uh, he's on the downside of his uh, career, and uh, he's coming off a very serious injury. But at the same time, 
it's not like the Giants uh, roster is uh, filled with uh, all pros where right. there's no room for someone even you know on the downside of his career like Odell Beckham. But uh, you know, I was thinking uh, overall uh, in football, I'm trying to think of uh, a, a previous situation where a uh, an elite player, or at least uh, what I perceived, uh, sure, uh, I perceived him to have been at uh, his height with the Giants to be an elite, uh, yes. been an elite player. I'm trying to think of a situation where an elite player left an NFL team under bad circumstances and then returned to play later on in his career. And uh, I just can't think of any cases. You know, I know in football that really you know you have free agency, but you don't have a lot of uh, Trades and you know, the kind of activity where um, it would happen, where where a problem player would leave and come back. Can you can you give me an example? I can't think of one. This is not my forte, quite honestly. Nothing is coming to my mind either. I'm thinking like Antonio Brown. No, I'm thinking. Um, Watch you know, I'm thinking. I'm yeah. Thinking, no, I can't. I can't. Yeah, maybe I th- did. Did Richard Sherman return uh, to a team to to San Francisco? I mean, I, I, he certainly didn't play with San Francisco in his in his prime. I can't think of a situation where an elite player yeah. uh, returned uh, after leaving uh, the team under bad circumstances. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, to me, it's a, it, it 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 really. I don't see it. I don't think the Giants are a contender. I think they're way way off in terms of uh, being a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. So it's not like uh, I think he can ruin what is a you know a strong possibility or a good possibility of the team making the playoffs. But again, I haven't rated uh, a notch above Antonio Brown in terms of the uh, poor effect on team meter and. Uh, yeah, the, the only, Steve, the only thing I'll, I'll, I'll stop you short there is, I know you're talking about culture and stuff of the locker room, but, I mean, it, it, Odell Beckham Jr. never put anybody in danger like like Antonio Brown has. I mean, the guy's a loose cannon, you know. Odell oh, no, Beckham, right. yeah, he, he never right. did that. Well, that that's why I don't put him on the same level right. as Brown. But he's, he, his, some of his antics were bad stuff, real bad stuff. I mean, that boat trip, that picture and that boat trip, and then you say you want to win a ring for the, the city. I mean, then you wouldn't be on a boat. You're what supposed to be doing, studying the playbook to go beat the Packers. Some of his antics in the end zone after a touchdown were yeah. gross. Uh, he, uh, but uh, just uh, one quick point uh, when you're talking about uh, – I was like in and out of my sleep uh, before listening uh, – when you were talking about the ten NFL teams on the secondary market, yeah, meaning te- meaning uh, trying uh, someone trying to buy tickets. Uh, yes, yeah, like if uh, you if you're trying to buy tickets to you know you know the Packer game, like you know how in demand would that be? How exp- right. they're, 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 therefore how expensive would the ticket be? Basically, because it's I, a high demand. I find it very difficult to believe that the Miami Dolphins are in the top ten. They were nine, money. yeah. I find it hard to believe they don't sell out down there. The fans down there are fickle. If their team is not doing well, they're off on the beaches and recreation activities. <laughs> they're not following that. I, I, I don't know where the statistic or this uh, this ranking was put together. StubHub. StubHub did it. Well, I, I find it very difficult to believe that the Dolphins are in the top ten. I would, I would expect them to be in the bottom ten. You know I, what? I just, you know what's coming to mind though. May, maybe it's all the the destination people though. Maybe it's the Jet fans going down there. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm I, looking at the Packers. Like, we're looking to go to Lambeau Field, and it's it's impossible. It's expensive. I hear you, but if you if you watch if you see, I mean, I have family down there, and they've told me the Dolphin fans that's the and they t- they talk. 
talk about their own kind as being the worst fans in, in sports, let alone not just football, but with all sports. With the Marlins, with the Heat, they are they are notoriously fickle fans, and they have a lot of alternatives down there. So uh, I find it very, very difficult to believe. And if you watch a Dolphins game when the Jets obviously are down there every year, look just look in the stands, you'll see that that that, that stadium looks to me like. The, the emptiest stadium uh, on, on a yearly basis of all the NFL teams that uh, that I you know all the stadiums that you see I, I find it very difficult. The Cowboys I could buy number one that was my guess yeah. as being number one, and I could see the Packers. I thought the Patriots would be in the top ten. I'm kind of surprised that they're not, which also suggests to me that something's wrong about this. But uh, in any event, I enjoy watching, uh, listening to your show, and have a great night. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. And I was just looking up to see. In the 2021 NFL season, does uh, this StubHub, you know, ranking coincide with the the number of fans that average attendance, you know, or you no, know, not average attendance, just the number of fans that have passed through the gates of those particular stadiums? Uh, the Dolphins were uh, ninth most in demand tickets according to StubHub last year, and they are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13th on the list of number of fans that attended home games in, in Miami. And the Dallas Cowboys were the most attended home games, and they are the most in demand. So that makes sense. I don't know, just food for thought. But I'm quite annoyed that the Packers are... Uh, the tickets are damn expensive. They're so... You know, again, I don't have a problem spending the money. I really don't. It's just when I'm not spending... You know, when I could spend $250 to sit in, you know, in a good seats at MetLife Stadium... Sit in the last row at Lambeau Field for the same price. I'm not doing it. I'm just not. Uh, Frank in Pal Park, you're up next here on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. How's everything going tonight? Good, good, good. How are you? So far, so good. I think it would be a great idea to have Odell Beckham Jr. back on the Giants. I know he was not the most mature player when he was with the team originally, but I think now he might be better. You know, as you said, he's mellowed out. I think it would be a good influence on the team. You know, kind of like a, uh, I know it's apple and oranges, but remember Ruben Sierra? Ruben Sierra, yes. Twice. Yeah. The first time he was awful. He was an awful player. And, he, you know, he was just not a good influence on that team. But the second time around, Joe Torrey loved him. Hmm. He called him one of his best, best, best bench players he ever had. So I think it could be a situation similar to that where he could be a good influence. I mean, he would be an overall upgrade over Darius Slayton. <laughs> what has he done yeah. on this team in the last few years? I am sick and tired well, of hearing about him becoming the next big thing on the offense. Well, the thing is, is he Dar- going to show up? Yeah, the one thing with Darius Slayton, he does show up because he, he at one point, he, I had it last night. In 2019, he was the second most targeted receiver of, of the Giants. In 2020, he was the most targeted receiver of the Giants. And in 2021, he was like third, I think. So, I mean, he, he shows up. He just doesn't catch the ball much. He's got like a 44% catch rate. Then what's good is he on offense? Yeah. If you're not going to catch the ball, and Odell Beckham Jr. can catch the ball, mm-hmm. one thing he's good at is catching the ball, then he would be a good asset on the Giants. And I can't see it down. I mean, other than he has to rehab, and, and I don't think – I think I know he's 30. He'll be he seems like a very he'll, determined he'll, he'll person, be, yeah. and I think he would be determined to come back and be better than ever. Well, Frank, maybe, and that's something that, you know, we'd have to be sitting in the, the interview process with him if, in fact, you even wanted to bring him in for an interview. You know, and also, too, you got to think about how do you pitch that to the fans? You know, how's, how's that? You know, the Maras are very, very concerned about 
the fans and what they think. And and again, this Odell Beckham talk is, is not you know trying to generate calls or anything. This, this is for real. Odell Beckham responded on Instagram and saying you know to a Giants fan, he said, "We'll see. I do miss my damn squad. Wanted to win a ring for that city," says Odell Beckham Jr. on Instagram. He's also you know it's Tuesday. Well, it was Tuesday and the cut down day to fifty three man roster, and he doesn't have a team. And I understand that he's got a he's got a um you know, rehab and everything, and, and he won't be back till at least, I'm saying mid-October at least. Um, but would a, would a reuniting with Odell Beckham make sense for the Giants? The Giants who have, by the way, uh, exactly $4.6 million in, in cap space remaining. For me, it's a no. For me, it's a no. I think he did enough damage here, um, and, and you, you don't ever want to give up on talent. I get it, but in this case... I think that ship has sailed. I think the reunion with the the Rams is is imminent, um, if not already done. You know what I mean? You know, handshake agreement sort of thing. Um, and and you know, let's examine the Buck Showalter effect next here on the fan because you know the Mets, especially offensively, they're just so much more fundamentally sound than the Yankees are. And I love what I saw in the fifth inning of the Mets game last night. Yankees baseball is on the fan. Swing on, there it goes. Deep right, it is high. It is far. It is gone. The home of the New York Yankees is WFAN. It couldn't have come at a better time. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. in the morning here on the fan in New York City. To those of you early birds catching the worm, good for you. Headed to the gym. A lot of people are headed to the gym right now. Uh, Good for you. Great. Wish I could. Uh, But I'm here. I'm talking to you and this is great. And I wanted to examine the Buck Showalter effect, you know, because at, at the plate, the New York Mets are playing old school baseball and I guess teams really do take on the personalities of their managers. I joked in one of my, you know, end of season speeches with, with my team about this. And it was a joke because, you know, I'm cool and everything. And they took on my personality. It was just a joke at the time, but there's gotta be a little bit of truth to it because the Mets, I mean, obviously they're managed by a baseball lifer, Buck Showalter, and they manufacture runs and the Yankees are managed by computer dude Boone. And they rely on the home run at times, you know, they're not great at manufacturing runs and the Mets are, and, you know, I don't, this is not talked about enough. Completely under the radar, Jeff McNeil in the month of August. So now it's August 31st, right? In the month of August so far, Jeff McNeil's hitting like 400 in the month of August. I mean, that's nuts. And, and Todd Zeal, I, I only know this because I watched the pregame and I, I couldn't believe it either. I was like, what? Todd Zeal explained it in in the adjustment that he made. So essentially, McNeil, what did he got? He got stepped on or something, and there was an injury to his thumb, right? And as you grip the bat, it was creating friction. I guess it was his, yeah, it was his bottom hand, I guess, and it was creating friction on the on the bat, um, you know, the handle, right? And McNeil, what he did was he just slid his hand up on the bat a little bit, and it allows him to kind of whip it around a lot, a lot faster, get it through the zone more quickly, and it's working for him. In August, he's hitting over a 400. And then, of course, you, you can't mention this lineup without mentioning Mark Hanna. I mean, he's got, been on a complete 
care. I mean, we talked about this Saturday afternoon. It's still happening. He hit a home run last night. Second deck, no doubter. It was the bottom of the fourth. It was his 12th Marcana's X 12th extra base hit in 14 days. I mean, the guy is on fire. So McNeil and Kana, and then going back to the 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 the, the mentality of this Mets lineup, I point to the bottom of the fifth inning. Brandon Nimmo, incredible patience. Two strikes. He waited for the ball to get a little deeper in the zone, and he poked it right through the hole, and it was created by the, the shift, right? They shifted a little bit on him, poked it right through the hole. Two strikes. That's gutsy, you know? Two batters later. Francisco Lindor did the exact same thing against the shift on him too, but to the opposite side of the field. So that sets up a first and third, two outs. You know, first and third, uh, the the outs were obviously not Nimmo or Lindor, but first and third, two outs for Alonzo. All of that work, and he struck out swinging. I mean, Alonzo has not been great, and I just saw a video that SNY put out. He, he cracked the bat over his knee uh, again. Last night in last night's game, so Alonso to hit a home run—that's a lock, for, as far as I'm concerned for for the game later tonight. I'm gonna do it if I don't forget. And there's one thing I did not like about the 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 Buck Showalter decision yeah, about an in-game. He made it he made it an in-game decision that I did not like. The Mets were down bottom of the ninth. Escobar's on first, no outs. So to pinch hit for McCann. He sent Daniel Vogelback out there. You know, Vogelback prone to the double play because he guy rumbles down the line. You know what I'm talking about. He's he's not too swift on his feet, right? So because of that, you know, there's a chance that he can get doubled off in a really crucial spot. And that's exactly what happened. It was a terrible move. And I don't know what the rest of the bench looked like. Um at that point I had switched over to the Yankee game. Um but you can't have McCann have the bat in his hands either there. He's hitting 185 on the air. He's not even hitting his weight, like, for real. But but Vogelback, I don't know what you're going for. Look, Hoping for a home run, maybe? I didn't like that. That I didn't like. But overall, I think this Mets lineup is, is you know, just more fundamentally sound than, than a Yankee lineup. That That's my opinion. Uh, to, all right, to the calls we go. 877-337-6666. Jesse in Queens. That one's not working. Okay, Jesse, uh, your line is not working, so if you could just – sorry about that. Just just give a call back. I'll get you right back up here. Okay, Jesse? Sorry. I'm clicking. It's not going anywhere. Uh, but in the meantime, Sparky, Dobbs Ferry, you're up. First of all, Coach, I hope everything's going okay. Everything's good. And that you have a great time with your father going to those ball games. Yeah, we're going this weekend. Thank you. Um, Now – after the Yankee game, unfortunately, I dozed off and I didn't hear your interview with Susan Waldman. But my, if I say anything that might have been repeated in the interview, I apologize. Oh, that's okay. Don't worry. Okay. To me, Susan Waldman, I'm so happy for her that she made it to the Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what is amazing about her now, in the year 2001, okay, at that time, Cal Ripken was my favorite player, and I wanted to see him at the end of his, you know, last time at the stadium at the end of the year. And, and by surprise, I went to the Saturday game, 
and and Susan Waldman sang the national anthem. Yes, yes. Coach, she was amazing. Yeah, oh, she's she's trained in Broadway. Yes, I mean, but the manner how she sung it. A lot of the people who do it, they try to do their quote-unquote interpretation of the national yes. anthem. Yes. She sang it in the classiest and dignified manner you could ever ask for. Ah, that's good. Okay. What, and, was, what was that really bad one? Was it was it Fergie? Oh, gosh. Was I mean, it that? She was, and, yeah, and, and wasn't it the basketball players were all laughing at her on the court? You know the worst one I ever heard? Roseanne Barr in San Diego. Yeah, Sus, Sus okay. just said he was about to say that but, one, too. But um, now, as far as Susan Waldman goes, you remind me a lot of her. Because you know what? Like her, you know exactly what you're talking about, and you treat your calls with kindness and respect. Oh, thanks, Sparky. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I try. It's in my, it's in my DNA. Okay. And now, okay, now on to Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. First of all, the idea uh, uh, that this guy, after that stunt he pulled in the end zone, they should have just caught him that day. Ah, uh, well, they weren't doing that. He was helping him okay. win. Okay, I mean, talent, you know, I like, I understand with talent, but talent doesn't always win out because, let's, okay, coach. Let's say I was 30 years old and I had a, a, a 10-year-old son and I brought my kid to that game and he, and he asked me, Dad, what did that man do in the end zone? How do you explain that to your kid? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a parent, but I would kind of say, well, that's something that you don't do. It's like the, the anti. It's something you don't do. It was a little disrespectful. I, I guess that's the conversation I would have. And, and you know something, too? But him talking so nice about the giant organization, he's doing the equivalent of somebody who's saying hello when they should be saying goodbye. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, ultimately, I don't think it happens. I, I think he's going to go back to the Rams, but I, I maybe he's using this as leverage. I don't know, create a buzz. You know how he loves loves the attention and loves the buzz? You know, and the thing is, especially for just what you mentioned, how he likes the attention and he likes the buzz, he has a he'd have a quarterback who he would even badmouth more than Eli. <laughs> oh man, I don't know, I don't know. There's Sparky. Okay, now as far as the Yankees, unfortunately, what happened tonight offensively is probably one of the reasons they'll have some trouble in the playoffs because if they're not having a game where they hit lots of home runs, they don't score. That's right. And that was something we examined earlier on. It was still, Sparky, I looked at that when you could still tally up like by hand the number of games that they won and the number of games they hit home runs in. Like April, I was talking about this. They don't hit home runs. They tend not to win. Yeah. I think there was a stat on the... I think Michael K on the broadcast said the Yankees have scored, what was it, 50-something? About half of their runs uh, come via the home run ball. It's not great but, for the postseason. But, but, you know, and you mentioned, too, about funda- about the match with playing fundamentally yeah. offensively. Mm-hmm. That's one thing the Yanks don't do. I mean, and the game to me that sticks out more than any is that 13-inning game in Seattle 
where they had the phony base runner picked off like four different innings yeah. in a row. Yeah. Okay. How how you explain when you're presenting, you're presented with a guy in second, no one out, and you can't score or even come close to scoring. Oh, I know. That's that's the thing, and Sparky, and thanks for that. And that's the thing. If you can't move runners over, you're gonna have a hard time scoring runs and hitting situationally. And I think that's another thing. The legends of Yankees baseball. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Hit number 3,000. Derek Jeter has achieved another milestone in his Hall of Fame career. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. McCartan in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. I am your hostess, Danielle McCartan, at Coach McCartan on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And I don't normally do this, you know, take a call right out of a break or right out of an update, but Jesse in Queens is back. If you remember from just a few minutes ago, he was on hold, very patiently waiting, and the line didn't work. The computer crapped out. So I'm going to go to Jesse, and then I will continue along with the show here. Okay, so Jesse in Queens, sorry about that. I don't, I don't know what happened. Hey, Danielle, no problem. What's going um, on? What's on your mind? I was doing a great show. About the Mets, I mean, I was watching the game, I was enjoying the game, but again, the bullpen problem pops up, and I'm concerned because they're not really building a great league in the Braves right now, so heading into the final weekend, what if they hold me up two, three games, you know, facing the Braves? Yeah. Or in the postseason, and the bullpen already comes up and bites them in the, you know what? Yeah. Then what? I mean, Billy Epler, I think just did a little bell practice on the Mets in the trade deadline. You had to go and get one or two guys, give up whatever prospects you had to sacrifice because you're not guaranteed another run like this. Yeah. It's horrible. I'm, 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 so, I'm so upset that that after, you know, he, he, took, he took it so nonchalant, the problem with the bullpen. He kept saying, oh, don't worry, there's going to be a lot of relievers available. Like, it's easy to get one, and when, when the trade deadline came... Yeah, Givens. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. just got Givens. Givens. Yep, and Givens loves to give the games away. And, Jesse, the one thing I will say to you, because uh, that wasn't a, a great connection, but the one thing I will say to you is that um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, I, I'm with you, but, but maybe it was by design, because maybe they knew, you know, Trevor May was coming back, and we'll see what he can be. Uh, but that maybe they also knew that Tyler McGill was going to be, a, a, you know, a force to be reckoned with in that bullpen because that's when he comes back, which is going to be any day now. When he comes back, that's where he's going. He's going to the bullpen. So, you know, maybe, may, I mean, doesn't, I mean, David Robertson should be a New York Met in, as far as I'm concerned. So should Wilson Contreras. But that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad look for a team that, that, loaded up in the winter, loaded up, ready to win the World Series. And then you came in like a lion and you went out like a lamb at the trade deadline. I don't understand. That did the best impression of, of the month of March, I guess. I don't know. It, it's puzzling. And it's it's going to be the fatal flaw of this team. If, if it does have one, if the Mets have a fatal flaw, it's that. It's the fact that they can't get from starter to Diaz. And in between, just like last night, last night, it was Joely Rodriguez's turn. He gave away the game. He gave it away. 13 pitches was all it took, and he gave it away. So 
they're gonna have, Showalter's gonna have to get a little bit creative here and figure out a way, and hope Tyler McGill you know, is great in the bullpen, and and hope you know that that Trevor May can continue to 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 cut that ERA in half, you know, every two three games exponentially cut in half. I don't know, I don't understand. I don't I don't know. I don't know why that was just ne- neglected. It was neglect, is what it was. To Chatham we go, and Tom, you're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, you said something a few minutes ago and made me pick up the phone. Sure. Um, and I had to, I had to ask. So, did you say maybe I misheard a little bit? But did you say Buck Showalter made a bad move, pinch hitting um, uh, Vogelback for McCann? Is that what, is that what you said? I didn't love. I didn't love the choice of Vogelback. I lo- I liked the idea of the pinch hit. I did not love the choice of Vogelback being the guy to get in there. You, you, but you also said McCann shouldn't have batted either. Like he's right. batting whatever. Sure, he's batting so one eighty-five. Yeah, so you got to yeah. you got to say though who you'd rather have up there because really there were no other options. There were no other options. None. So he, um, I think Brett Beatty is the only active position player on the bench, and I believe he wasn't available. So there was really nobody else. I, I'm looking through the roster Brett just to make sure. I missed, yeah, miss and I just anybody. want to make sure that he actually wasn't available because they were showing him on TV at the time. Okay. Uh, so would you rather, even if he was available, would you rather see him, uh, a kid who's barely been up and, you know, he's doing okay, but he's not doing great either. I mean, Vogelbach, you know, the ground ball, you know, the Mets were doomed once he hit the ground ball. It was an automatic double play, All right, but which then I understand. Say he gets but, on base, you know, but if... are looking for it, a home run or a double, maybe, out of him. Yeah, and, and then say, say he gets on base, and then what happens? You, you pinch run for him? Well, you know, uh, like, good uh, point, it was just good a silly point, move. But, I mean, like, I, a good point, but again, I don't think there were many... I don't think there were any other options, and he was hoping for, you know, a, a, a long ball or, you know, a double. Yeah, and, and scoring a run, maybe. And, and that, you know, if he hits a double, maybe the runner on first scores. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Well, I, again, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think there were many other options. Yeah, and, and actually, and Brett Beatty, he was unavailable. You were correct; he was unavailable for this game. So I, maybe that was the only choice. I mean, that, if that was the only yeah. choice, then that's 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 the, the you know the dice roll that you had to have. But yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. But that's all I wanted yeah. to talk yeah. about. Okay, right. thanks, Danielle. <laughs> thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Have a good one. Yep. Take. Take care. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, hey, that, and, and and maybe that was the only option, but um, it doesn't, you know, and that kind of speaks to the bigger problem of, of the black hole that is the catcher's position for the New York Mets. I mean, McCann, 185 on the season. 185? Are you kidding me? And this is not new. I mean, he, he, this is not new. You knew what this was. And, and, and Nito? You're rolling into a World Series potentially with McCann and Nito when when you could have made a deal for Wilson Contreras? Come on, man. At this point, it's like just bring up Alvarez and see what he's got, right? Can't be worse than hitting 185. So it, it highlights a bigger problem of of the failure to execute at the trade deadline for the New York Mets. And I did want to bring up uh, sort of like a current event sort of thing. Did, did you see that, um, speaking of investments and, 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 you know, all that, but did you see that the, uh, the Mickey Mantle card sold at auction? $12.6 million? Wow. I mean, it, it, if you missed it, it was a 1952 Topps Mantle card. 
and it was the most expensive sports item ever sold, ever. Think about that. All the memorabilia, Babe Ruth bats, a, a Ted Williams glove. Think of Muhammad Ali even, a, 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 a fight-used boxing glove, a Jordan game-used sneakers. I mean, all of those iconic athletes and, and, and game-used equipment even, none of them have ever sold anywhere near what this card sold for. I mean, like, if you think about it, like it blows my mind. It, it does, actually. And and the the most recent sale, ready for this? It went to this guy named Anthony. He bought it for $50,000, this manual card. 50000 Not that long ago. 50000 Sold it for $12.6 That's insane. I am not a card collector, per se, but I collect other things. But, you know, I might start looking for some good cards. Aaron Judge, rookie card? Mike Trout rookie card, you think those are going to be worth $12.6 million in the future? Or or what about the, these NFTs? What are they really? I'm not, I'm not totally sure what they are, but Paris Hilton's in on it. Eli Manning's in on them. I think he, I saw him do something with it, but maybe that's where, where the money is. Maybe that's where the game is, but I don't know. I, I don't understand them, and I really wouldn't want to put money into something that I don't understand which is why I don't play a lot of, like, that, that big wheel at the casino. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. I'm not putting any money on that. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Like, NFTs, like this thing, like, like how, how do they evolve with, like, technology? And I'm not trying to be, like, facetious. I just don't know because my Mac, my, my, my computer right here, can't open, like, Microsoft Word files from, from 2011. So, like... How how does the NFT continue to be relevant? Like like th- those those files of mine are obsolete. I can't open them anymore. But I don't know. Maybe that is the right investment move. I don't know. But I was actually up close and personal with that Mandel card. Like at that about a month ago, I went to the as you may have know if you follow me on social media. I went to that the national the national sports cards collectors convention Atlantic City, and you know I was talking to the guy and he said it graded a, a nine point five which is considered gem mint, which is like really good. The guy was like, you're not going to find a better looking card. And I was like, well, then just why not just give it a 10? And he was like, well, over there, eh. I was like, oh, come on, now you're nitpicking. Uh, but it's apparently as close to a, a, a perfect 10 as you could possibly get in, in like in real life, like not in like fantasy land. So I don't know, man, a baseball card for, for $12.6 million dollars. And it got me thinking, like, what, what's what's the best piece of memorabilia that, that you have? Maybe the most, maybe it's the most sentimental. Maybe it's not the best. Maybe it's the most sentimental. I mean, I for one am still on the hunt for a Derek Jeter signed jersey. And this is years ago. It was it was the first game ever played at the new Yankee Stadium. The new Yankee Stadium and. It was against the Cubs, and it was a preseason game. It was an exhibition game. It wasn't even a real game yet. I guess it was like the soft open. I mean, the, the, we were in section 117B. I'll never forget it. And the, the section sign wasn't even an actual sign. It was a piece of printed paper that had in black ink 117B. So it's, you know, before it was even open, open, the stadium. And we went, and we went down there before the game, you know, just because just that's kind of where we were. And we went to the field level, and we're just really taking in it, taking in, looking around, the whole thing. 
and uh and and, and Derek Jeter came by and I, I I am a Derek Jeter fan. I was a shortstop my whole life. I mean I you know the whole thing. So and in my first game I ever went to, my dad took me, my mom and my brother to a Yankee game, the Yankees Brewers. My dad's a Met fan. Took us to a Yankee Brewer game. I'll never forget it. It was like the first year that Derek Jeter was on the come up. Nineteen ninety seven was it or six? And so my you know and I was young. I was I was uh I was eight. If it was nineteen ninety six, I was eight. So, you know, I'm young. I grew up as Derek Jeter as the shortstop. Anyway, so now I'm older. Now I'm in, what year was that, I guess? 2010? College, I guess it was. Yeah, I was in college. It was like 2009, I think. No, yeah, 2009. Was it or 2008? 2009, whatever it was. Uh, I was in college. So now uh, Derek Jeter's on the field, and I and I was wearing a jersey. So I, I took off the, the jersey. I had It was like cold. It was freezing cold that day. I had a sweatshirt underneath, took the jersey off, and I had, you know, handed it to him. To, you know, I went to hand it to him. And he turned around and he was like, sorry, I can't sign that. And I like looked at him and I couldn't believe he actually like turned around and like responded because, you know, he kind of keeps to himself often, you know, Derek Jeter. So um, I was like, what? I, I picked up my jaw off, off the ground and he didn't sign it. So I am still on the hunt for a Derek Jeter signed jersey. That that's That's on the wish list. But... Still not worth the the twelve point six million dollars that that card garnered. So going back to the talk with uh, with Susan Waldman, uh, I I asked her. You know, she called in live from the hotel room in California, which was awesome. Which is a good thing. Uh, you know, I I like uh, this is a good shift to have when they're the Yankees are on you know, either of the teams are on the West Coast. So Susan checked in from the hotel room and. Uh, you know, I asked about I asked about Benintendi, and I, I said, and earlier in the show too, like, what does Andrew Benintendi have to do in order to 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 guarantee that he's going to be in the the top third of this Yankee lineup? I mean, when he's batting first, second, or third, he hits over three hundred this season. In this season, this year, he hits over three hundred when he bats in the, in the first third of the order. And, and and Susan even said that when he bats, what'd she say? When when he bats first, he's he hits over four hundred. So so what 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 are the Yankees doing here? Like why are these computers spitting out? Guaranteed, when you look at the lineup come out later today, he's going to be batting sixth. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be batting sixth. He, he was on that tear for four games. He was sitting six hundred as a, as a leadoff hitter for those four games. Then he was dropped to sixth. John Carlos Stanton, he he was in back, played two games. Oh, and then he was having a rest day. So it's like, there's no, like, rhyme or reason to this lineup, it it seems to me. But, I mean, if I'm Andrew Benintendi, here's what I'm doing. And I said this facetiously, and I said it to Susan, too, and I'll tell you what she, how she responded. But um, I would go to the, you know, the, the whiteboard in the dugout. I would see where I was in the lineup, and I would erase it. I would erase the name. Switch me with somebody else, and I would put a freaking sharpie marker in there and put my name in in the in the one spot, the two spot, or the three, preferably one or two. I love the combination of Benintendi one, Lemayhew two, Judge three, Stanton Rizzo four. You could flip flop them. That's what it needs to be. And Susan kind of laughed at that, and she was like, "Well, that's that's not his character." Like, yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just playing with you. But what do what what has to happen for Andrew Benintendi to bat in the in the first third of the order consistently? 
I don't know. Your teams, your station. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Carton in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. Good morning. Welcome to the show. If you're just waking up, jumping in your car, it's been a lively one tonight. The New York Yankees look like they're about to bust out of this offensive malaise that they've been in. Hopefully, right? Uh, If you look at what they've done over the past three games, uh, the last four games, prior to last night, in their three losses, they they scored exactly six runs on 11 hits, and only two home runs. Last night alone, seven runs, nine hits, three home runs. I mean, that has got to be something to build upon and hope that the Yankees are going to build upon. I know it's the Angels. I know they have the second worst win percentage in the league. I get it. I know. But potentially this could be a a, a liftoff point for the New York Yankees. Maybe they'll win later today. They'll get their off day, their travel day, and then maybe, just maybe, they'll put the Rays away for good in Tampa next uh, this upcoming weekend. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, however many games. I think it's th- three game series. I think, but that's all you can ask for. You can just hope that last night's offensive breakout was was a breakout for a bunch of people. Andrew Benintendi being one of them. I mean, they, they all the uh, Rizzo, uh, Judge, and and uh, Boone. They were all talking about how that. That home run that Ben Intendi had, the second at bat of the game, was just a lifted a weight off of them. Um, those are my words, not theirs. I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I'm saying. They can it just exhale because they had the lead right away. So Ben Intendi's looking to lift off Rizzo, two home runs in two days, hadn't hit one since August 17th. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, to the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news that the Mickey Mantle card. Sold for, for, let's round up, to $13 million. A baseball card worth $13 million. Wow. What is your favorite sports memorabilia that you have at home? Anthony and Maypac going to tell us. Go ahead, Anthony. Hi, how are you? Oh, great, how are you? All right. So I have, my grandfather's brother was Johnny Addy, who was a boxer announcer mm-hmm. way back. And I got a whole bunch of stuff years ago when my grandfather passed. And I have the boxing gloves from uh, Rocky Marciano, Joe Lewis. Wow. Now, we beat each other up when we were kids with him. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I got to find out, how do I have somebody look at it? You know, it's pretty wild because they might be worth a lot of money. Yeah, I would think so. You know, and it doesn't say it on it, but I have pictures of him with Frank Sinatra, Liberace. And I never even thought about it. But they're all beat up. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but I got them. That's like, that reminds me of the Sandlot. And the kid goes, oh, it's signed by some girl named Baby Ruth. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but you know, I heard you talking about it. I was like, I got to tell Oh, it. that's a good I story. I do it. like that, though. You used to beat each other up. Me and my brother used to beat each other up, too. But not with those yeah. kind of boxing gloves. <laughs> but I tell you, it'd be nice, though, like if I could find, you know, somebody. Yeah. I went to a dinner with uh, all the boxing guys, like, 30 years ago. And I told them about it, and they were like, give me a call, bring them. And I didn't do it. I oh. didn't do it. Oh. 
I know. You never know, Daniel. You never know. Never know. That's right. You never oh. know. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Anthony. It's a good story. I appreciate All right, that. See, that's that's part of this. This is this is the flavor we bring to the show here. You know, and another thing I want to talk about too, the, these joint practices. You know, in the in the NFL, right? I know you saw the brawl between the Rams and the Bengals. I love the joint practices. I do. I just love them. I love the idea of them. Uh, I don't love the fights, but I, you know, Robert Sala and, and Brian Dable, they said they wanted to make this an every year thing. Um. I'm completely on board with that. And, and yes, yes, I saw that video multiple times of Aaron Donald cracking the Bengals players over the head with the helmet and brawl. I get it. That is, the, in my opinion, the exception to the rule. But I think there is immense value in hosting these joint practices. And I know we're, we're set, you know, gearing up for the, the regular season. But, you know, especially for the Giants and the Jets, I mean, their two practice facilities are exactly 30 miles away from each other. I mean, the players on, on both teams, whether it's held in Florham Park or whether it's held in, in East Rutherford, the players get to sleep and wake up in their own beds and get the benefit of this this elevated competition and practice. I mean, I think of, and this really kind of resonated with me because from the, from the coaching perspective myself, and even if you have kids of your own, or even you don't have kids, but you played sports growing up. I, I'll fall back on, on when I coached high school volleyball. Because we would start at the beginning of August. We would we would actually be working throughout the summer. You know, it's summer leagues and all that. But we would officially start at the beginning of August. And our first game wasn't ever until the first day of school, which was a month later. And your thoughts on, on, on joint practices, please, at 877-337-6666. Uh, but you've got a whole... Do you... Like, the whole month is monotonous. It's... Boring and, and as how, how much, however much I could try to spice up practice, play that game, do that, d- change it up, you know, whatever. I mean, you still get into a rut where the improvement kind of plateaus. You're, you're working towards something, you're working towards something, and then you hit a plateau, and it gets boring and monotonous, and 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 it's it's it happens every single season. Co- I coached volleyball for for twelve seasons. It happened every single summer, so. What do you do at the high school level? Well, once you get your system in order and, and, and you know, your, your depth chart sort of kind of in order, you have an idea of what you want to do, you, you schedule scrimmages, right? It's regular scrimmages, try scrimmages sometimes. It's the same concept as what the Jets and Giants are doing. And, I mean, I've got no problem with it. So long as, you know, the coaches set the tone, which to me... Brian Dable, Robert Sala, they absolutely set the tone. There was not a single problem. So so this is, it's a great tool. And they said they want to keep continue doing it, which is fantastic. I think there are uh, Im- immense benefits to it. So keep it going. And, and how do I know that? I, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't watching it. But how do I know that? Well, one, Brian Dable said... He said, there's competitive juices out there. We all understand that, but we're not looking to cheap shot or do anything to, you know, sacrifice that. It's practice. Then you got Matt Breda. He said, I think it says a lot about the head coaches. They've stressed to us before practice. This isn't going to be any fighting. We're just trying to get work done. 
And we understand where they're coming from because at the end of the day, we're trying to get better as a team. And if we go out there and all we do is fight, we're not going to get anything accomplished. And like, you know, and this is Matt Breida still talking. He said, like Coach said, we're trying to do it every year to have a joint practice. So we don't want to have these taken away from us. It helps guys get better. Now, the phrase, have those taken away from us, really kind of resonated with me because that mentality signals to me that, okay, well, this is something that's exponentially beneficial for us, the players, and we better not screw it up. I mean, that's the tone. That's the right tone there. And it's instilled on both sides by both coaches. And Dory Jackson said, you know, he said, although it's competition, you just want to make sure everyone stays safe. And I really like this part. And this is not kumbaya crap. I don't like that either. But before the practice, the both teams, they, they came together together in, in the huddle. And, you know, green, blue, white, red. Uh, what do the Jets use? Yeah, red too. So there was no Giants on three, Giants on three, or Jets on three. There was none of that. Someone in the huddle suggested, and, and, and it was an unnamed person. I don't know who it was, but so, and I clearly wasn't in the huddle either. But someone in that huddle suggested that the, the players wearing green, blue, red, they all said, not Jets on three, Giants on three. They said, New York on three. One, two, three, New York. And they all bought in. And that's a fantastic, it's a wonderful thing. I love the joint practices and and. Daniel Jones even said it too on, on on Thursday. He said, I think going against another team is good. The tempo does pick up a little bit, and you're going against guys and looks you haven't seen. That's the other thing. When you have when you practice and you scrimmage against each other, there's only so many lineups you can for, speaking from a volleyball perspective, there's only so many lineups you can throw out there. There's only so many, you know, scrimmages you could play against each other before you start to plateau. It's a fantastic tool. Continue it. I love it. To the phones we go at 877-337-6666. Paul in Newton, Massachusetts. You're up on the fan. Hey there. I have uh, signed copies. I met these two guys of the uh, Miracle on Ice, Mike Ruzioni and Kenny Morrow. And you met them? (laughs) Yes. I was in that business, yes. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I got two copies of it. I'll never, I'll never give give them up. <laughs> you even if they come with a twelve point six million dollar check. Well, that's different. <laughs> but I, but I got those two uh, copies, that's and they're cool. always sealed in plastic. Yeah, that's good. Mint. See, they might, they might mint. be ten mint. Yeah, the the mint whatever condition. Maybe you got to look into it. I don't know. Maybe you might be sitting <laughs> on a, a a hidden treasure there, Paul. <laughs> anyway, have a great day. Thanks, you too. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Sal in Matawan. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danny, how you doing? Good. How are you, Sal? Good. A uh, little talk about baseball cards. I'm sure. 65. Sure. I've been collecting cards from like the 60s. I, I have Mantle's last year he played. I have his card. But the thing with that is. They came out with two sets of cards. One was Yankees in white, and one was Yankees in yellow. Mm-hmm. And one of them they discontinued because it wasn't right. The rest of the team had a certain color. He had a different color. Mm-hmm. So that card's worth a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember back in the day, we were kids. We used to play. We used to flip the cards. We used to play colors, you know, because each team had a different color for the name, like reds or, you know, with all different colors. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we used to do that, and we used to it was like little gambling. We used to we used to <laughs> throw them against the wall. Whoever got closest to the wall would get all the cards. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just it was just a lot of fun. We used to put them in us, you know, in our spokes on our car, on our on the bike, bike yeah. to ruin them. And <laughs> I remember I I moved in 1967 from Brooklyn to Long Island, and it was a typical typical thing. I had boxes and boxes of cards. And my mother said, you're not taking all those cards with you. <laughs> yeah. You better pick out what you want. So luckily, I picked out, like, the big names. Like, I have Hank Aaron cards, wow. Louis Mays cards, all from the 60s. I have a lot of rookie cards of, like, Winfield. I kept a whole set of 1970 uh, tops. Yeah. Which back then, that was all it was. It was just tops. Yeah. And that set, I know, in mint condition, goes for, like, a couple of thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Will you ever sell you get, it? No, I don't. I don't think. Well, once it got up to be twelve million dollars, yeah, then I sell. <laughs> yeah. 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 My my cousin's a big card collector, and he was like, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What year were you born?" I was like, "1988." He goes, "Stay right there." He went all the way. He ran upstairs, and he gave me that top set. I know what you're talking about. The top set from 1988. Yeah. It's it's in my nightstand. I still have them. Every single card. He has every single card. Right. What, what I what I usually do is i have two uh great nephews that are 10 and 7 now they live out in copeg uh caden and liam if you ever hear this <laughs> i'm probably sleeping but but you know they're just perfect age of baseball they live eat and sleep baseball so the last few years for their birthdays they're, they're yankee fans so I, I would pick out some special yankee cards that i have and i would give it to them for their birthday yeah that's you know? cool yeah. that's cool yeah yeah just to pass it down. I've been really collecting, like I said, basically I have a set from the 70s, but from the 70s up, you know, I have most most of the set. Yeah. You know? I sound like I'm talking to my cousin. He has the same thing. It's pretty cool. It's cool. It's a, it's a thing, yeah. you know? It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, I even, you know, I've always been a collector. I have a scrapbook that when I moved out to Jersey that I found of all the uh, articles from the 1969 uh, World Series. Wow. I just clipped them out and I put them in a book. And my, me and my son were looking at it uh, a couple of years ago, and he was like, "I can't believe you would save all that stuff. You're only 13 years old." I said, "I don't know. I just had the mindset to just yeah. save certain things, you know." Very but cool. it's pretty cool to look at back now, you know. Yeah. Well, Sal, I hope you caught my interview with Cleon Jones. I hope you did. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah, I called you that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely. Good. Yeah, that was that was great. That was Thank excellent. You. All right, Sal. It's, we got <laughs> Okay, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. we just got to run to break here, but go ahead. Finish your thought. So, uh, no, I was just saying, it's, a, it's a, like the other caller was saying, it's good. You know, I love Sal, but it's nice when you have these interviews, you know, a little break, yeah, and it, it, it's a little different for us, you know? Yeah, yeah. I always try to do that. I always try to spice it up, Sal, and thanks for the call. We got to hit the break here. I'm sorry right. about that. Sorry to cut you off there, but we do have to go to break, and then um, we've got another, what, 20 minutes left of the show? So give me a call, 877-337-6666. We got to talk about how Timmy Trumpet showed up to City Field today, and Edwin Diaz never got in the game. How embarrassing. I'm Danielle McCart. I'm with you till 6 here on The Fan. The Bronx Bombers. It is hot. It is far. It is gone. The home of Yankees baseball is WFAN. Yankees win. The Yankees win. The fan on 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Carton in the morning here on The Fan in New York City. Following my show will be The Morning Show. 
with Jerry and Sal filling in for Boomer and Geo. Uh, you know, it's it's the biggest uh, show, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word, but in baseball, it's the biggest to do in baseball since Mariano Rivera and Enter Sandman, right? Edwin Diaz and Timmy Trumpet. The, the narco song, it, it, it's it's what Timmy Trumpet does with the uh, uh, a DJ called Blaster Jacks. But, you know, the, the Mets took a really big gamble last night. And, and of all the games that the Mets decided that, that it was a good idea to bring in Timmy Trumpet, they chose a game against the one team in the National League that has a better record than them, the Dodgers. And... And a game with Taiwan Walker on the mound to start. I mean, even I could have told you that Edwin Diaz was not going to get in this game. And and I'm glad that it did not, you know, affect Buck Showalter's decision-making process. And what I mean by that is the entire stadium is waiting to see Timmy Trumpet play his trumpet and, and you know, to play Narco. <laughs> I mean, the entire stadium, from from the fans to the the, the players – to the grounds crew, to the broadcast team. Everybody is ready and waiting to hear Timmy Trumpet play narco. And Diaz never got in the game. There was never a chance for him to get in the game. And I'm glad that Showalter didn't really, like, buckle to to that. And, and you know, the pressure of feeling like he, like he had to bring Diaz in. You know, just to appease literally everybody in the ballpark. Um, ultimately... There was no chance for him to come in. He was warming just in case at the very, very end, but that that ended fairly quickly on a Vogel back double play, and then that was the end of the game, basically right there. And so, I, I tweeted out uh, and I sent out on all my social medias, you know, at Coach McCartan, uh, a photo uh, earlier. Uh, I don't even know what time it was. Uh, mm, let me find it. I, I sent it out around or at there it is, twelve hours ago. So I sent it out at, at five ten p.m. And it, I put together a little picture of me from my senior yearbook. And I, I wrote, I am so happy that playing the trumpet is cool again. And I wrote, here's a terribly put together crop job from my senior year yearbook. And it's me in my band uniform, my marching band uniform. And uh, it's the little caption says, trumpets flare. Trumpet players, Danielle McCartan left. Soloist for the theme from Rudy. Like, I forgot about that. The theme from Rudy. That's that's fitting, isn't it? But I'm just so happy that that that, that playing the trumpet and just instruments in general is, like, cool again. And, and the arts are just so important for the development of school-age kids. That's a whole other conversation. But Edwin Diaz single-handedly made playing the trumpet cool again. And as a former concert band, jazz band, marching band, trumpet soloist, section leader myself, I am very excited to see Timmy Trumpet and, and, and Edwin Diaz impact on, on music programs, potentially. I mean, maybe this is an unorthodox way to get kids more interested in the game of baseball. Once school starts, I will report back to you. But um, I, I got somebody, uh, somebody sent me, emailed me, and I want to get uh, Daniel Wagner. He emailed me. He said, hi, Danielle. I notated that the sheet music is in the original key. This is the trumpet excerpt. I'm also a trumpet player. I've got Narco in my hands, the sheet music for Narco. So uh, it is my promise to you that I will get home, maybe not today, but soon. I will take out the trumpet, and I will start practicing Narco. I could add 
to the to repertoire here. I, no more taps, maybe. Maybe the Mets won't be getting any taps this year. Maybe they're just going to get narco. So I will take out my trumpet with, with the help of a listener. See, asking you may receive. You, you named my, my survivor pool, and, and now you, you help me with the sheet music here. So, Daniel Wagner, thank you for that. Have something to say? We'll answer the phone. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to the final couple minutes here of McCartan in the morning. Followed, of course, by the morning show with Jerry and Sal. Um, the Yankees are, are looking to springboard that win last night in, into many more, parlay it into many more. And, you know, I think two things. One, Jonathan Loisica is going to be a key cog for this Yankees team down the stretch. Because you look at, he was unhittable last night, first of all. And you look at what he's done over his past eight appearances, and it's sensational. I mean, seven and a third. He's only given up three hits, seven strikeouts. What stuck out to me most was that opponents hit 120 against him. So Jonathan Loisega could be the X factor for, you know what? I'm going to say he might be, and the, and the pitching staff is, that is, especially the relievers. Jonathan Loisega is the X factor for the Yankees moving forward. If he could, and even Susan said it too, if he can get back to what he's known to do, I mean, this it's it's gonna it's gonna shore up uh, a very strong bullpen to begin with, and and that's gonna be um, only beneficial for the Yankees if he continues along this path. And you know, I, I know the other thing is this: I, I know that Aaron Judge and the entire team, like they continue to downplay it in the post games, but. You and I, whether you're a Yankee fan or not, you're just a baseball fan, Like it doesn't matter. We, together, collectively, as baseball fans, are, are witnessing history each and every time number 99 steps into that batter's box. I mean, what a story for the ages, man. A guy that at the beginning of the season turned down life-changing money, and then the Yankees' front office leaked the contract details in a very sneaky tactic that I didn't like, um... And it completely backfired them from a PR standpoint almost immediately. And now Judge is knocking on the door of history, ready to kick it down in the greatest bet on myself story that I know I've ever heard. And how does it translate to a new contract? From which team? We dissected that tonight. Ultimately, I think they get it done. I think he's going to be in Yankee for life. It's going to be have to be a major compromise from, from both sides. Probably... I think he would sign eight eight years at forty million a year. I don't know if the Yankees want to do that, but it is what it is at this point, right? And I don't know. Aaron Judge hit his fifty first home run. I mean, it's it's August thirty first. He's on pace to hit sixty four this season. Sixty four of them. And and I looked, and, and it's not just Yankee history he's chasing down. It, it's it's baseball. I mean, that put, 64 puts him tied with for fifth most all time in a single season with Sammy Sosa. And then you look up at the remaining names above that; they're, they're all steroids guys. Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, all steroid dudes. And then you get Judge, who's, as far as we know, 
not a steroid dude. And I would venture to guess that he's not a steroid dude. I would put my I put money on it. So, I mean, it's just it's just you gotta sit back and, and appreciate it really because we're watching history and, and I did a little math, you know, a little McCartan math, and I figured out I mean, basically, and I didn't I, I didn't include last night's home run because it's it, the numbers worked out. They were nice round numbers. It took him 125 games to get to 50 home runs. So that's like that's a home run every two and a half games. So if you're and, and I didn't buy tickets yet, and, I, and I, I shouldn't say this out loud, but based on my calculations, I sound like a like a nerd, right? Based on my calculations, um, he needs 11 he 11 home runs to tie Maris's record. Okay, 27 and a half games to do it. So if you're taking the under, it's Friday, September 30th that you're loading up on tickets. If you're taking the over, it's Saturday, October 1st. Both home against the Orioles. The problem is that he needs 12 to break Maris's record, and that's 30 games according to my math. That's October 3rd at the Texas Rangers. He can't do it in Texas, could he? No. But my, my word of advice... As I, as I leave you today, load up on Yankee tickets for the Orioles uh, games, and maybe you can flip them. Who knows? I don't know. But you didn't hear that from me. Now you're going to see a run on the Orioles tickets on, on all the secondary markets. Hey, well, what are you going to do? Thanks to all the callers. That's your, that's your reward for listening to this show, right? Thanks to the callers. Could not have done this without you. And I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start, which was 2 a.m. Actually, it was 1.30, a little bit before that, in fact. Great job to Susumo Araki Sus behind the glass for the third straight morning. Marco on the updates and Erica as well. I will see you, I don't know, whenever the next time that may be. I'll see you then. In the meantime, at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll keep the conversation going there. The Morning Show with Jerry and Sal in for Boomer and Geo next here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM.